actually great. Yeah, basically having to be. Well, even daytime, Charles swears in meetings and stuff because I work mostly with libation space companies. But if you need to be really buttoned up, you know, like you on a certain accounts, I'm sure you don't know them very well. And so you're not going to swear. You're like a different, you're a different it's individual. But on this podcast, we don't have to be buttoned up. We are more our authentic selves. We. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so actually, I don't, think I've, I don't think I've told you this story, but um, when Reavers does a show by himself, they call it the scramble. And they use it as like a fill-in when Fratelloni's not there. They'll use it for a fill-in for if they just need to put something on the air. Oh, okay. So we did uh, an impromptu beer show, just me and Chris Reavers. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were talking beforehand. Uh, he, when he was on our show, we had to force him to say the F word. Yeah. Because he kept saying <laughs> fudge. And I'm like, yeah. that makes me uncomfortable. Gosh darn fudge. Yeah, yeah. gosh darn fudging. Guy. Like that, <laughs> that was weird for me. Just don't say it. Yeah, so he like kind of forced himself to say it. And yeah, so, it's just his radio mentality. Yeah. He couldn't he couldn't shake it. We were like, do it, swear, <laughs> swear. So he was laughing about that. And I was like, it's the opposite for me because every time I'm on your show, somebody will be like, well, what were you just talking about? And I'm like, all I was thinking was don't say the F word, don't say the F word, don't say the F word. <laughs> the whole and we time. Like, yeah, we had like a good laugh about it. And then in the very <laughs> last segment, I actually said shit on the show. And he's like, you are actually the first person to drop uh, uh, a four-letter word <laughs> on the show. Did it air? It's that- a podcast now, so it's oh, okay. okay. All right. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> so, say. But I was like, of course. Like, I've been on his show, I don't we'll know. We'll send you the bill for the FCC. 15, 17 maybe. times. And the one time we acknowledged that I just try really hard not to swear is the time that I fucking yeah. did it. I screwed myself. You did it. Well, you did. it's fine. You're going to say it. It's going to come out. It's going to come out. You what yourself? I shit myself oh, well, yeah. <laughs> on the air. <laughs> Fuck, I don't know. You shit everybody on the air. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was. I, I was just like, ah, man. And he's like, we'll fix it at the end. And then we got to the end, and he's like, you know what? It's a podcast now. I don't have to. Like, look at you go. Mm-hmm. Boop. We're yeah. all growing. And then we say we'll fix it in post. And we're not going to fix. We're it. Not gonna fix it. We're not going to fix it. Really, the only edits. <laughs> I think the only edits that we've done are a couple times. Like we've had some gear hiccups, and then um, like if there's ever a time that you're telling a story and you maybe after we get done, you're like, I shouldn't have said that person's name. Absolutely. I can go right. in and like, either cut or it. Or like, can you I delete should. the whole story? Because <laughs> <Yes. laughs> yeah. we also actually probably. Can we <laughs> delete 18 minutes of our show? Yeah. <laughs> no, we can't. Uh, what was that big hole in the middle there? Yeah. I'll just do an endless loop of technical difficulty music. <laughs> and yeah, if anybody pushes through. <laughs> <laughs> they can make it. They will be rewarded on the other side. <laughs> there was a, uh, one of my favorite. I'm such a dick. When I was DJing full time, I used to troll the crowd every now and then just to like fuck with them and see what happened. And for a long time, it was like I'd come out of like a really high energy mix into like hold on by Wilson Phillips or something just to see what people did. Careless Whisper was also a good one. But uh, when All I Do Is Win by DJ Khaled and a bunch of other people came out, mm-hmm. uh, there's a break in the <laughs> song where it's, you know, and everybody's hands go up and it waits for a second. And then T Pain's like, and they stay there. Would you uh, stop the when it would track? go up? I've never I, heard that. I just play the entire Jeopardy theme, <laughs> and people would stand there just waiting. Hold their hands up. It was so great because, really? like, a couple people after two seconds would be like, "Yeah, whatever, you're a dick." But then there were people that are like, "I'm going to wait this out," <laughs> and those were my people. I'm this like, is an interesting mix. "You knew who? This is an interesting. Those mix. are your people." <laughs> Oh, you know yeah. that is 
cool process of elimination. <laughs> yep. You know, I mean, if you weren't attached, you'd be like, okay, you know, why don't you come up on stage? You're here? good people. You're good people. You get the joke. It's like oh, a staring contest. The owners are screaming at me. I should probably play mm. something with a dance beat. <laughs> did, it, did you play the next part after the Jeopardy theme yep. song? Okay. I would let it go. really mean if you didn't, then they'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> My arms were up for four minutes. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <sighs> When it goes, when it segues into that next part, when it goes yeah. up a key, that's my favorite because people are like you're really going to do this, and then it's like, nah, we'll just jump out of it. But there's nothing I love more than fucking with a crowd. It's the best. <laughs> it's like, what are you going to do? He's still loving it. Yeah, you can't, you can't kick me out. You don't I, have anybody else so showing many to play crowds. <laughs> like the like Bon Jovi said, I've seen a million faces and I fucked with all of them. No, he rocked them all. Never mind. My bad. So he's really <laughs> tiny. Is he really? He's tiny. I mean, they all are, right? Well, I don't know. I know I've been sort of face-to-face with him. I was looking down a little bit. <laughs> he's, uh, uh, he's, he's, okay, so you've been face-to-face with Bon Jovi and Shaq, so those are the polar ends of the spectrum. Yeah. I feel like Shaq, you might <laughs> Same have joint, a- <laughs> though. Same joint. We were still yeah. at the Grand Hotel. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah Joe, B- awesome. BJ, as I like to that's, call yeah. him. Oh, yeah. Beej. Yeah, cut out Beach. one syllable. It's a beach. No, no, actually. Well, <laughs> <laughs> T-Bone and Beach. I watched that show. He called me T-Bone. It was the one. <laughs> Beach, Deeb. He's like, no, you, you basically he's like, oh, well, you really need to keep the bar open for me and my people. And I'm like, uh, Mr. Ooh. Bon Jovi, like, you know, when I get fired <laughs> for keeping the bar open late, like, are you? Are you going to pay my salary? He's like, <laughs> he gave me a couple hundred dollars. I'm like, no problem. No, no problem. Sounds no problem. good. Like, we're going to keep this shit open. He answered the question. <laughs> he answered the question He did not. He was like, here's a couple hundred bucks and you're done. Yeah. He, were wasn't, they he wasn't Bucks great. Though? He wasn't great. He wasn't my favorite. Okay. Oh. Were they BJ Bucks? Was it his picture on the? No, oh my God. <laughs> I never tried to spin him, I don't think. I don't know. Still in that bad suit pocket of mine from when I used to wear suits. <laughs> The mozzarella, so friggin', you know, martini blue. <laughs> uh, my my favorite rock star from that era story was when uh, Sebastian Bach was in. Um, oh, what's the Jesus musical? Jesus Christ Superstar, and he okay. was he was Jesus, and uh, he tried to come into he tried to come so into Jesus-like. Rock Bottom Brewery across from the theater after the show and after he had like wound down and they were completely done. And he was in a fur coat, and he just started yelling, What do you mean? You don't got a table for Jesus? I bring people to the table. And they were like, that's a great pun. Literally, everything shut down. I don't. How many times have you used this, sir? Does this work? Does this usually- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> does it, does it, it part the restaurant, and then you get to walk through? I don't know. Was he still dressed as Jesus? No, he was just in a giant fur coat. Oh, okay. Sounds about right. <laughs> Very Christ-like. <laughs> The story of Jesus and the Furs. Yes. Oh, man. Is that place still open? Rock Bottom? Yeah. It is. It's still uh, humming along. Actually, I, Marnie I, asked me that when we drove past it the other day, and I told her, I don't think so. <laughs> so no. That, they're flashing, like, open sign in there. Like, oh, oh, that's where Rock Bottom was. Well, the, no, it is. All the it vitals is. were still out, but I didn't see anybody inside. So I was like, I thought they closed. Well, I don't. Maybe they, they were. They were as of the last theater show that I went to, they were, they were open. Yeah. Time. It was wild because, like, it was very busy in there. And I'm like, there are a bunch of other bars and restaurants that you could just go to. But everybody, it was, the show was at the state, so they were all trying to just pile in there and then walk through. And I'm like, cool, I'll just go a block farther and dip into McKenzie Pub. And 
have a couple nice beers, walked right up to the bar, got to sit down, and it's like, okay. You yeah. Know, sometimes, good choice. Sometimes you got to do it, I guess, if, uh, if you love that rock bottom. I used to play pool there, though. That was like a whole thing. Like It used to be like, you yeah. know, like a pool bar. It was a cool place to hang out yeah, back in absolutely. the day. Absolutely. Probably, I mean, if you like pool, it's got to be one of the only places right around there you can play pool, right? Yeah, I don't know. There used to be a couple of rooms downtown, but I don't know of any. I don't no. know. Don't, don't do that anymore. The next place that I can think of is like in Northeast. For sure. Like you got to go to like Yacht Club. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, yeah. I remember like 1920, like we'd just go to pool halls. <laughs> <laughs> like it's oh, yeah. weird. I don't. I haven't There's thought about it. Plenty of them. <laughs> they just don't exist. We go to CRs or what was the one in Jimmy's? Jimmy's. Yep. Mm-hmm. Man, there's one down in Egan. I lived there for years. Never went to it. Never, ever, ever went to it. I always what felt is like in there. Yeah, yeah. Like, it just seems like there? a, there's a there's a different culture in pool players that I just never figured out how to like get in. I feel like you could be Sharky Charles. I, that was never one of my recreational sports. I was never very good at I'm I'm okay at it, but I had friends who were very serious about it who made me look stupid, so I would just stand by the table and drink and act like I didn't care. Mm. You know that move? Like, I, yeah, I'm pretty good, though, but I don't care. Guy, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> who's the tough, quiet one? I, <laughs> by the pool table. Hey, is he next? Don't give him a cue. Yeah, we don't him I feel like I employ that, that guy. I, I employ that technique then, across multiple <laughs> genres of <laughs> activities. Oh, you're going to do that? Cool. I'll stand nearby and drink. Like, sure. <laughs> that's, yeah. I'm really good at that. Absolutely. I am, I'm a semi-pro. You do get to, especially if it's a place where there are pitchers. I remember when we used to bowl when we were kids, like literal kids, and we had fakes, that I would often sit out a game. I, and I was really good at bowling, but I'd often sit out a game because I'd be chugging those pitchers down. I'd get two beers for every beer that my friends got. I feel like every neighborhood had to have like the bowling alley that would just accept like the worst fake IDs. Because I, I had one. Well, the alley we went to didn't even care that we had fakes. <laughs> I, didn't have, I didn't even have one. I just had facial hair. But yeah. uh, they, they didn't care. There was an alley. It's a, I think it's, like, it's just a, like a decrepit strip mall now. But there was a place just north of Minneapolis into Columbia Heights. There was a bowling alley there. That's, you're talking about the bowling alley we used to drink at. Oh, yeah. Well, I Mady's, also... Mady's Bowling Alley. Yeah, there you go. I also <laughs> used to drink there. Yeah, we uh, talk, we, okay, this has come up before. Yeah, we thought we drink on this podcast because we forgot we told one another this fucking It's story. cool that you guys like found each other. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that pitcher deal was ridiculous, and I also absolutely would be like... Yeah, it was like 450 pitchers of Mick Golden Light. <laughs> I love like, that. Remember? Remember? That was a way to make money. Too old, too. Oh. 450 pitchers. That, the fuck is and that? there was a profit margin on that. Like, that is wild to me. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. They were back there just counting cash. Oh. We were drinking kamikazes and 450 pitchers. We just made 425. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, well, we uh, hopefully two of our voices are familiar to you listeners out there, but we do have a third that we should probably introduce before we talk <clears> anymore. <throat> Uh, thank you again for tuning back in to Libations for Everyone. Uh, I am one half of the hosting duo, Ben Quam. Sitting across from me is uh, my good friend. Charles Wad. Here he is. Hi. Hi. Uh, we are back in the P&A Hall, the OG yeah. home away from home for us. <laughs> the cavernous confines. Yes. Uh, just want to reiterate to everybody, it's been a little while since we've been in here, and I'm back in love with this building again. Um, if you want to look at what we've talked about on multiple episodes of this, go to their Instagram and go to just at P 
P-N-A, the letters P-N-A Hall. Uh, and you can kind of check out events here. You can see what it looks like when it's all dressed up. They have some photos of it kind of empty so you can get a good look at it. But again, if you're looking for an awesome venue with super high ceilings that's got kind of room to do whatever you want, this is the spot. It's uh, right in the center of northeast Minneapolis. It's got all the history. It's got good bones. That's right. That's what the, what the kids say. Charles, are you happy to be back here? Very. I'm elated. Right when I walked in, I was like, we're back, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, we haven't been in here for a while. And we also haven't had a, a guest, a proper guest on the program in six weeks. Thanks, Omicron. Six weeks. Ugh. Yeah. So oh, this, is, this is exciting. And holidays and other stuff. For sure. But we took a beat. We were like, yeah, what a good time to take a little break. And uh, we did the episode with just the two of us. And that was remote. And now we're back at PNA Hall. Yeah. And if we're going to come back after a, a hiatus like that, we've got to bring the heat. We gotta, we gotta come in with the fire. We gotta, we gotta bring, we can't just show up with some eight ounce filet. You gotta come with the T-bone himself. <laughs> wow, you worked that out. There it is. Ah. You like that? Sewed that one up. Uh, <laughs> my good man, please, uh, introduce yourself to, to our wonderful listeners and, uh, say a little bit about what you've been up to and where you're going. I'm Tim T-bone. <laughs> Niver. <laughs> What was your question? You know, uh, uh, how 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 would people know who you are? What what are you up to right now? What are you doing? Yeah. Well, I, I honestly just been working a lot. I closed a restaurant called Trattoria Mucci last week. I got construction going on another place called Mucci in St. Paul and and Dinette. And so honestly, I just I've been in a trudging a little bit. I've been kind of deeper into the hard part of the. The, of things like yeah. in general lately but i'm good surviving working hard you know like i feel pretty f- feel pretty strong having you know done what i just did so i'm good dude and that's and i don't mean to have work define me but that's what that's yeah. what's been defining me like lately that's all i got that's i mean running multiple places and closing one down on top of that i'm sure more than locking the door there's a ton of red tape that has to come with that too yeah 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 oh yeah well and and I'm, you know you're doing that that's stuff that also happens on mondays and you know and we don't normally work you know those types of things just kind of draw your week out a little bit but love that i love the idea of you know having a responsibility I love that. Yeah. And I love working hard. You know, if I hated it, I surely wouldn't be doing what I, what I do. But, um, man, you know, it's, it's good to plug away at something and feel like you got your, you know, you got grip. So we got some grip, even though, you know, there's some loss, some loss. Yeah. You know, in the, in shrug the, it off. In the grand scheme of hard work in the restaurant industry, do you feel like there are still more, uh, more stripes and stars to earn <laughs> on what you got oh, every like, fucking day. See, I think that's the whole thing is, is like, there's, there's no, there's, there's no one day you can just like stop being good. There's just <laughs> no one day you can stop paying attention. You know, that's when somebody that, that, that could say something that people would hear would come in and, and then that's when you like start to like, you know, be able to repeat behaviors of not taking care of shit, you know, like, I think if you're not focused, uh, you know, kind of every day uh, or, or like, you know, have something to keep you focused, I think it's really easy to kind of like fall into the, you know, not taking care of your shit. But and I'm a procrastinator by, by nature, I think. Always have been. Always got done. You know, I can see it. My kid too. you know, try to I can I can wait and get shit done. 
Are you? I don't. <laughs> are you like, squeeze it in? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> fuck. I'm getting way better at that now. Not anymore. Like I can't live like that. I can't live like. Are, that. Definitely, it's like giving yourself additional challenges. That yeah, you yeah, yeah, don't yeah. Necessarily. It's now, need. like I really see that it's ultimately about eliminating future challenges. Absolutely. Are you like me, where sometimes you feel like you're better when there's a little bit of fire underneath your Absolutely. feet? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I don't, those things will still, I mean, that'll still rear its head. Even if you do things the right way, you know you're going to have fires to put out. Yeah. Yeah. But if you have fires to put out while you also squeezed everything together, then you're like, oh, shit. I had just enough time to get those tasks done, but now i got to put two fires out. I'm in big fucking trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've learned a lot about my real capacity as a human in these past two years. Absolutely. Sure. You know, I think we've all been tested. I think, yeah. though I know for myself very clearly now, when I'm when I'm at my end, and I've been there, I've been there, you know, recently or whatever. But that's okay, you know. Like, I, you know, I keep kind of pushing the <laughs> top up a little bit on it, you know. Like, it's all right. I can handle a ton of shit, you know. It's just by practice. But it's okay. I like it. I like it. And if I was bored, I, I you know, like if I took two weeks, I'd be like, all right, I, but that's enough, you know. Let me back at it. So, but good man, you know, fighting. Absolutely. As long as there's a fight to be had, then there's, you know, your heart's still beating. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. That's exactly it. So I've seen some of the photos of the renovations at Moochie. What are, what are you guys doing in there? So this is, this is, this is great. You know, this is, this is taking this little building that was like a mom and pop shop, kind of evocative of a, you know, like a, like a little blank nothing building in New Jersey set up, you know, kind of as this little rectangle in it, it was a bakery mm-hmm. for years called Kinds Bakery and this other little restaurant. And so it had this orientation where that doorway was on the corner of you and Randolph. And what we've done is solidify that. That was a shitty entrance. It was zero accessibility. It was just really bad. So we're moving. We have the entrance over to the other side of the building, and on the other side of the building, we're adding a 1,000-square-foot patio, a big-ass pergola. Oh, love it. A really lovely accessible cool entrance, a new accessible uh, bathroom. And so um, we'll about double our occupancy cool. six months a year. We have a, uh, have a benevolent partner who has the ability to help us uh, realize the things that are going to get us and maintain us, you know, in the future, what we believe. And then this outdoor seating, obviously, in this in this state is a big deal. So, so right. for me, we are, you know, while one, like I say, literally one door closes and another one opens and it's fantastic. And it's, it's really nice. Thank you for asking. It's really nice to be able to glide back into a situation where you're seeing the growth, you know, Moochie's was, has been really strong for us. So that renovation is nearly done and um looking forward to kind of settling in you know it's kind of like doing like a home renovation and your kitchen's all fucked up for a couple of months right. everybody's kind of looking at each other and there's dust everywhere and you're like fuck when is this going to be over but other than that you know we're really blessed that way it's gonna be awesome i am very excited to see that full disclosure uh i was poking around over there last week oh cool and it's it's really cool like one of my favorite and this is just me being selfish but one of my favorite things about that restaurant um, from a guest perspective is the intimacy that sort of is handcuffed with the hospitality that comes from a concept of yours. So not only are you getting well taken care of, but 
that room, there's just something about that room that kind of gives you this like warm togetherness. I don't, I don't know. And hearing renovations, like that was the first thing that I was afraid of. Like, is that, is that going to be gone? And if it is, I'm the only one, like I will quietly just be salty with my own little, mm. I like to have my things and, you know, and keep them. But going down there, it was just, it was really cool. And seeing the other growth in that neighborhood is also yeah. really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I would say that whole West End really, um, for me is kind of the, I'm still excited to be there when, even when we got there, uh, some now five and a half years ago, almost six years ago at, at Moochie's in St. Paul, you know, there was less going on, but it was still kind of like, you could see it mm-hmm. come in and, you know, Keg and Case, I know has had its, its troubles, but I think it's still a good anchor and there's a lot of like goodness around there. Yeah. And then, you know, you got some other, you know, there's another sushi place, I think, open it up. Like mm-hmm. there's things actually come in a side just down the road. I go to uh, Burger Dive uh, quite a bit. That is where I soak my free minutes when I have, you know, a chance to slide away. I go there, yeah, you know. And, absolutely. Like, you, could, you know, there's a one one stretch of like three days in a row. I just went in. I was there for 15 minutes each time. I got the same damn thing. Mm-hmm. I was in. I was out. I was, thank you very much. There. So, like, What's I have my order? regular joint. And so it's starting to be like that. When close and then close, close, you know, like, you know, you have chips and these things mm-hmm. that are just kind of like starting yeah. to like, hu- hu- it's yes. like a hug, you know, like there's yep. just stuff like sure. surrounding yeah. the other things. Near it's enough. really freaking cool. What's your order at Burger Dive? The one that you got three times in a row? Uh, well, they were out of Pacifico on tap. Mm-hmm. And I'm a like, I'm a like, <laughs> like I just said, this is the way it is. I barely drink beer, but when I do something like that. Sure. So it was a Pacifico on tap and then they had Don Julio and I always keep it cold in the cooler beautiful and so i get up there i, ro- <laughs> nice. I rip off a, 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 a i don't it didn't matter one was at like noon one was at like three one was at like six thirty. <laughs> you know what i mean it doesn't fucking matter when yeah. you show up there it's just that you it's scoot up real quick okay so you are talking about <laughs> oh, hey, hey, you, know, it's like, boop, uh. you know here's the two hands one with the shot in it one's in the beer in it and they're like hey thanks tim i'm like hey thanks danny you know it doesn't. I thought you were on a burger bender. No. I thought you were getting a double. No, if every I'm day. going there, I'm getting wings, dude. I'm getting okay. those. Like, okay. they get these little fried bitties, uh, and they're ooh. good. They're good. Okay. We'll have to go I've back there and do the wings. wings my favorite. Ooh. Yeah. I hey, mean, I'm the original completed. burger dive was a block from my office. Yep. So I, they didn't have wings back then. But I'm not complaining. I don't wings. love their blue cheese or their. Or, or their uh, I'm from Buffalo, right? I'm not trying to be that mm-hmm. way either. But Buffalo, no. Minnesota. <laughs> no. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> And New York, <laughs> similar. Uh, I'm a I'm a wing dude. I don't, I don't particularly love their wing sauce, nor do I love their blue cheese. So I get their ranch. That's like the one time. Like I'll get the ranch, but it's like a dry rub wing with this little fried coating, and it's fucking good, mm, delicious. Like, anything they handle chicken wise is. Really I like good. the dry dusty wing. That's my jam. That is your jam. Monte Carlo yeah. are my favorite. Oh wings. Yeah. yeah, so good. Those wings. What are a bar. Ridiculous. Cool. Yeah, that's such a cool fucking spot. I did not know that you were from New York, though. When did you move to mm. Minnesota? Mm. Uh, 90, end of 94, beginning in 95. I met my wife out in Colorado. We lived in the Vale Valley. And then she left. She left. And we were on a break. Uh, she she left. <laughs> <laughs> she... <laughs> She's she's not going to listen to this. 
She she was not my wife. Then. Yes. <laughs> we met there, and then she came back out here, and then I'm like, ah, fuck, you know, she's awesome. So then I followed her here, so we came in at 95. Okay. Amazing. I got family and friends all out there, and it's just rare that you cross paths with somebody that... And then they, they bring you to their hometown, and you end up sticking. Yeah. yeah. We moved around, too, after that, too, but, you know. Hey. What would we be talking about before that? What, what was... Just what you're up to. Oh, that. Day drinking. Yeah. Oh, We're day still drinking. on the... You know? <laughs> oh, guess what? I lost track already. <laughs> I do love... What I, are you up to professionally lately? Just day drinking. I'm so glad you're here to like... <laughs> you know, we're on the right, right podcast, wow, Somebody remembered. <laughs> I still love... It doesn't matter if it's on a Sunday or if it's on vacation. There's something about a drink right around noon that is so like naughty and at the same time liberating where I feel like I'm getting away with something, even though I'm... 100% free to do whatever I want. There's something that's just like, ooh, all right, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. And I always like, I say so bullshit to the bartender every time. I'm like, yeah, man, it's time. You're like, shut up. Like, he's just here it's trying to like take care of you. It's noon somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Like, look, Jimmy Buffett was right. Am I right? Am I, no, I'm not. Okay, never mind. Not a parrot head. The, the, the weekday work taboo of drinking wore off for me a very long time ago. I, just, I think I've been doing this for so long. Now, it, it turned actually into sort of a, a crotchety old man like a decade ago where my mentality now is if I have a single beer at 11 a.m., I'm just going to be drowsy at my desk. Mm. <laughs> I got to either keep drinking or not drink at all, and I'd rather, yeah, no, that, you know, I'll take a sip of that new Pilsner. It's delicious. I'll drink some tonight. But if I drink a whole Pilsner at 11 a.m. and I go back to my desk, it just happens to me, man. I just am like, my body's like, well, you drank and you stopped, and that's usually when you go to sleep. So Absolutely. <laughs> that's fair. something about that. I, I know, you're not. You're not. I'm the oldest dude in the room. You're not old. That's, that shit just happens. It just doesn't always like work. People that can drink all day long, yeah. I cannot anymore. No. I don't even care to. I don't want I'm to. Done, I'm done for three days after that. I'm not going to do it. I do like to drink all day, but it's got to be like, that's what you're up. That's what you're that's doing. What, that's my like chosen like, activity. Like, dude, I'm, okay, we're meeting I'm these guys for brunch. until like nine, and then like Niver's going to hit it, and then by <laughs> yeah. midnight, you guys are so in the bag, I can like just fall off anywhere, you know? But I, I drive, I'll drive. I'll drive early. There you go. Whatever. I'm cool. <laughs> I love that. That's yeah, fair. Facilitator. That's fair. Well, I mean, speaking of drinking... Yeah. Is it is it time to jump into this? Yes. It is. Let's uh, good. Just... let's roll into our topics of convo. So I poured out uh this is some Fortaleza. This is one of my favorite Blanco tequilas. Um sadly it's not available in our market yet, but I'm hoping that it's gonna make its way up here. It's this one of the bottles that I hunt for whenever we travel around the country. I love um it. I fell in love with it just because it's delicious. And then I read an article uh Sounds last great. year that it's one of, I think, four or five uh, companies that distribute internationally that um, have inspectors come through and watch the entire process so that they know that there are no additives, period, being added in to influence the flavor. There's no added vanillin. There's no added caramel color. This is what you get from the agave. And it's just awesome. It's not, like, the best thing you've ever had, but it's just a solid fucking tequila. I like cheap tequila, too. Yeah. Me too. Dude, like if there's like a rail cabrito in a pinch, let's you know, do let's it. go pull that thing out. Let I think you know. I think anybody that spent <laughs> enough time behind a bar, like you learn to be okay with some of the rail spirits. Absolutely. The uh, the generic booze flavored like tequila, I still can't get my head around. <laughs> but yeah, cabrito, absolutely. You know, whatever you got down there, I'm down. Yeah. The same I, I made a lot of 
people quit drinking tequila at a very early age because I drank so much Cuervo and they want to drink as much Cuervo as I drank. I'm talking about when I was like 19. Yeah. But I know a lot of people to this day that don't drink tequila because they drank Cuervo with me one night in like <laughs> 2001. <laughs> it wasn't with you, but it was 1999 for me. And I, I, that, I got all the hair on both of my arms stood on end when you just said it. Like Cuervo, Cuervo just mm. oh had yeah. that night my twenty first birthday oh yeah it was a long fucking time ago the Jägermeister hot dog was my thing yeah Ooh, I couldn't do wow. that. I mean <laughs> those, that should not be a sentence <laughs> that should not, not be a fucking no, sentence it, dude. The, the Jägermeister yeah, hot dog the thing that That's, should not I be said. The little bit in my mouth yeah. a little bit. That's fucked up. The best part about that, uh, if you're anything like me, is that will pop into your head in like three weeks, and then you'll just kind of like half gag, half giggle, because just thinking about... Gaggle. Yeah, gaggle. gaggle. <laughs> just thinking about that, it's just like... <laughs> he ate it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's a wet burp I don't want to have happen. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> All right, well, before... We go any farther down that road. Uh, cheers. Let's have shot numero uno. Cheers, shot numero uno. Oh, yeah. Mm, 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 mm. That's tasty. I like it. Uh, Charles, I believe you're kicking us off. All right. Mr. Niver, Name something wonderful you've experienced while traveling that seemed super sketchy at the time. I call that roller coaster food, but it could also be a beverage. It could also be an alley that you went down that ended up being a cool concert or something. Yeah. Mostly well, I people, people use earmark food. Yeah. with a chef to Barcelona, Spain. Cool. And the owner of the restaurant as well, the chef and the owner. I can say their names. It was Hogan Swan and Marcus Samuelson. Oh, wow. Solid company. They were fine. fine. (laughs) (laughs) I was the interpreter. (laughs) Um, So uh, we we had finished this meal. And it was fantastic. And there was no menu. I remember this thing. It was no ma- no menu. You walk in and like, okay. And it's multiple course. Anyway, we finish and then we're walking around and they're like, hey, Niver, we're going to go to this club we know about. I'm like, all right. <clears throat> so this is a long, long time ago. We walk in. We're on a break. <laughs> we walk in and, and I'm like, wow, there's so many pretty ladies here. Like real and naive, right? So many pretty ladies here. Like, the ratio is amazing. Like, what is happening? I'm married. But all of a sudden, like, people started kind of touching me. Like, oh, hi. And they were, like, the friendliest people in the world. And then I realized (laughs) where I was. Okay. (laughs) And so it was was weird that I didn't pick up on it. Because, I I mean, I had traveled a decent amount at the time. And I... Very familiar with the language and the, you know, like my surroundings, like, like very aware. And I was taken (laughs) aback by the fact that I didn't know that, you know, I could basically leave with any one of those women if I had wanted to. And uh, never done that in my life, by the way. Never, never done that. And I think sex work is is admirable work. What's that? Did any of you know where you were? I ended uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, I like. I ended up being like alone after a while at the place. 
And I don't know what happened to them. But I know I was just kind of like, you know, rubbernecking in this bar trying to figure it all out. <laughs> and I wasn't like trying to go home either, you know. It was really interesting. And so so that was a little sketchy. That yeah. was that was a little sketchy. <laughs> <laughs> not a bad way no, no, no. <laughs> but I was just like oh it, like just how it got me yeah and uh, there was this one Portuguese woman that just wanted to talk she was lovely <laughs> <laughs> Portuguese is really fucking hard to understand yes you know I mean obviously when you're not, like I know a lot of Spanish but the R's are H's. I was just like okay watching her mouth you mm-hmm. know <laughs> like thanks you know yes I'll have another Heineken <laughs> It was great. That was ninth. That was 2001 or something like that. Side digression. I think that Portuguese is so sexy because it pulls all the best pronunciations from Italian, from Spanish, a little bit from, from French. Like yes. It's like a, a perfect amalgamation of all of the romantic languages together. And I know that there's like other influence in there as well, but that's, it's like everything that I love about listening to somebody speak in all, all three of those. And this is not gender specific. Like I just love listening to that language. It is, it is just incredible. And then I, if I read it, I could probably get like a couple of verbs and nouns, but like I would never understand anything. Yeah. There's a lot of like extra stuff going on in that <laughs> language, but I agree. It is terribly sexy. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and the Spanish women too, with the, um, the theta, the the C's and the Z's that they pronounce with a that not a lisp necessarily, but Barcelona, the, yeah, the, the, the soft S, <laughs> yeah, oh, you know, push. You just push. There's just a way that that they talk, and it's it's wonder, it's wonderful. I love it. I feel like mine is is so so much in the opposite direction of that. Uh, I, your, I your question. No, my, my answer, I was going to say, was, was, was sketchy for me. Uh, this is awesome. I, uh, I, I was trying to remember, did I, have I talked about the, the tequila Sambuca Tabasco shot that I got at a Michelin star bar? Yeah, and how you were pleasantly surprised. That yeah, so I good. thought that was going to be okay. sketch, but I figured I had, I had said something about yeah. that. I still, to this day, it's spectacular. Cold Sambuca. Dash of Tabasco, tequila on top, take the whole thing. It is wild how it works. But uh, I, I think the thing, I was epically hungover. Uh, 40th birthday in France, 14 friends. We, for no reason, stayed up till like 4 in the morning. Like, it was, we had a, uh, the worst bottle of scotch I've ever had. A bunch of wine ended in, like, bringing up old movie clips. You know, like, that kind of bad night. And uh, the next morning we had to go to. Was Hawaii. everyone doing it, or was there one guy where you were like, "Please go to sleep, Steve"? No, there were four, there were four of us, and Steve was one of them. But there were There's four of us. Like that a were guy, there. where you're like, "Go home." Yeah, we were like wrap it up. We were all taking turns with a can of gas. I can't blame that on anybody else. I was 100 percent a part of it. It was just it was fun. We were on vacation. Like days don't mean anything. Time doesn't mean anything. The one thing that we had in the schedule was the next morning. And we took a 30-minute bumpy van ride to a chateau in the countryside for this wine tasting. And the first course was um, bits of salmon and vegetables floating suspended in gelatin. And mm. I don't – I'm not on Charles's <laughs> level, but I, 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 I will get hangovers, but they're not too bad usually. I can power through and figure out whatever. 
this this was a day where the the van ride was enough. The bumping where, around yep. really added to the <laughs> and ambiance. Then, and then you know they they flipped it onto sweating. The, He's fucking sweating <laughs> the whole fucking. Well, time. and I had to sit. I had to sit shotgun, and I'm like making conversation in half French with this dude, like trying to come up with every sentence and and word structure that I can. And then they they set the plates down, and this thing is just like and. <laughs> then the, like the fish odor hit, mm. and the I salmon aspect. <laughs> and I'm sitting in a room. I mean, with, it is going to be a little stinky. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm sitting in a room with the five most expensive bottles of wine I've ever been around, and they're getting ready to pour them out. And I had to have like a full conversation with myself, like, "You can do this. Not here. Not, Not here, Quam. All the days that you've just <laughs> yeah. gotten up and gone to work, you need to fucking power through. You need to look mm. like a champion, and you need to be kind." Because of the hospitality that this gentleman is showing us. And I did. And I will straight up say that after I started eating it, it was a lot, it was a lot better. And I kind of wrapped my head around like what this course was for. And then we paired it with the wine. And I ended up, I wouldn't say that I would make that on a regular basis, but. What, the salmon jello shot? The salmon jello shot. Okay. <laughs> uh, it, was, it, was much, it was much better. Trying to find the texture between what's just gelatin and what is actual salmon. Mm. Like there was, there were, you know. Uh, yeah, no, that's texturally <laughs> fucked that, that up. That's the, fucked just, up. It's like, it doesn't. I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> the only thing that was toothsome in it were like the few vegetables that were suspended in there. Everything Ooh. else, you're like taking a bite. You're like, I don't know if this is fish or if this is jello because the jello kind of tastes like fish. And I finally ended up by the end of it, I was giggling because I was like, my grandmother would have loved this. Like, you know, some weirdly colored uh, meats and vegetables suspended in mm-hmm. like a savory jello. Like that's that's stock and trade for poor folk from Scandinavia. Absolutely. You, uh, you made it extra hard mode when you didn't have to because aspects much like head cheese. Sometimes it does taste like it looks. If it's good, it doesn't taste like it looks. But if it's bad, it tastes like it looks. <laughs> like bad head cheese has got that squeakiness. Oh, yeah. You're like, oh, yeah, this is like eating erasers. Okay. <laughs> That's why it's a, meat ta- it's a meat-flavored eraser. I didn't want this in my mouth. Well, and, then, and then from then on out, it was like fresh fruit, cheese courses from a guy who lives four houses down. Uh, here's some delicious gr- – like, did we have to start out with the fish jello? Like, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a huge ask yeah. at you know, 9.15 yeah. on a weekday right. for a wine tasting. <laughs> I think it didn't matter what it was either because it's always the first bite. If you're sure. like, if you're feeling weird, if you're feeling sick or hungover, any of those things, it's the first bite that makes you realize whether or not you can consume food. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. okay, I can consume. Yeah, food. we'll be all right. <laughs> I better. Yeah, I, that was one hundred percent mind over body. Like, I will make this work, and then, and then you know, we're all right. Lessons to learn on your fortieth. It's fine. Like that's totally normal for a, an adult male of that age. Very mature of you. Very mature of me. Yeah, was a, a... <laughs> I'm so glad you didn't vomit. No, I, was, I just remember I was I was putting on a dress shirt and I was like, "You fucking piece of shit! Like you shouldn't. You should just come in a bad graphic T-shirt and just admit who you are to this guy. <laughs> You're all sweaty, You're trying to feel the way you look. Yes, but you don't. You're there's flop sweat and you're you're trembling. <laughs> he did he did give us a nice break though. Clenching a little, you know, trying <laughs> yeah, to hold right. it in. His uh, the All reason the orifices. <laughs> <laughs> turned out the reason the, the nice part of it was turned out the reason that he bought the chateau was that it sat on top of an underground river and he dug the basement out to that and he keeps the entire thing uh, climate controlled. So he has, he can literally, it's like two feet of gravel stones and it'll just flood it to get the humidity 
like where he wants it. And then there's air conditioners in every room. So I could have just hung out there all day. Like I could just scoot my butt into some of that cool gravel and just lay down for a little while. Probably would have been all right. Yeah. But no, salmon, salmon jello is where we're But mm-hmm. yeah, that was the roller coaster. Yep. You got on and you didn't mm-hmm. regret it. Nope. Got to do it. Hands Good up. for you. There you go. <laughs> Charles, what about you? Hands up again. And this day. How long am I going to do this I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give you a recent answers. Uh, well, not that recent, but when Marnie and myself were in uh, Puerto Rico last summer, there was one day where she her, her stomach wasn't agreeing with her with some of the things that we were eating, and there was one day where I went off with my friends Jared and Cynthia, and it ended up being the day that we were going to explore the Pinones Road. So it's like a dirt road with all the little food shacks, and my wife's back in the condo not feeling good her stomach's all screwed up and we went to the place that she definitely would have got her stomach screwed up if she ate there because it was these roadside food stands that have probably been there for decades and the first one we stopped at the guy was heating his fryer with um he's heating a, a, a pot full of oil with a fire that was comprised of uh, chopped up pallets so he was just chopping up pallets and using that as the the fuel source for the fryer. But they made um, it, the first thing that I ate, and it was spectacular. But at the time, I was like, how sketchy is this? Was uh, Alcapurias, which are, uh, it's like yucca and green plantain that's like mashed up. And then they use that as the breading. Like he was doing it with a machete in his hand with a corn husk. So it's like laid out. Uh, the smashed uh, yucca and the green plantain is is spread out, and then he scooped in a bunch of uh, crab, and then forms it by hand, throws it into the fryer, and then it's like this crispy tube of delicious root vegetable. Yeah, like a, it's like a long thin fritter, and it's the entire middle is filled with like a, a really good amount of crab, like a crab legs amount of crab, yeah. and it looks like a crab leg too, which is kind of cool. Hadn't even thought of it in those terms until this very the whole moment. thing. It was just shell it. It was so good, and we went to like four or five different stands like that where they were all questionable. But people eat here every yep. day. But you know, it's like local monoculture, so you're used to it. I could see if you had a weak stomach, maybe it would have got to you. But I had a, I had a blast. I got a, I got an iron gut, so <laughs> I was okay. Oh, but you. it was all. Really delicious, but definitely the kind of thing where I think a lot of people I know, if they would have come with me, they'd be like, you know what, I'll just eat something later. <laughs> there was some of that in Morocco when I was there, where like the meat is just out at room temperature, and then they'd like cut some of it off, cut some of it off, and like throw it on a, a flat top and cook it up and give it to you. And I'm like, yeah. I'm looking at these lines, and I'm like, you know what? I mean, I I got to do it. Well, like, the chicken gotta- skewers we had there at the stand that does the chicken skewers, they had a, a giant metal box full of chicken and i didn't see any like cooling source because i was watching them i took videos of the open fire and the chicken is sizzling but it was just like a giant vat of the marinated chicken and just that in the the sunlight in puerto rico in the summer and i'm like it's probably keeping itself cold because it's all cold <laughs> it was like the only thing i could surmise <laughs> and i ate no, it and it i didn't die. it is so. a danger zone the whole time. time we were at a we were just uh <laughs> thankfully we, were, we went to uh, merida mexico and we went to the food market there the locals food market and it was the same it was 90 degrees and there yeah. was like as long as this stage right here and just chicken packed 
like stacked a foot high. Nine, yeah, and it's just ninety chicken, degrees right? out. Yeah, not even yeah. marinated, just like out. Just chicken. Like, you want yeah. this? They pull one down. Chunk, chunk, chunk. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> whoa. Right, you and know. then they're then they're like held after they're cooked. Yeah. Oh. So they're not like pulling them off the grill and giving them to right. you. They're pulling them off the grill and then they're putting them in this bin. And then you're probably getting the ones that have been sitting there the longest. So you're just like, it smells good, it tastes good. I, I guess I'll find out by tomorrow morning Absolutely. if it feels good. There are some things <laughs> you are waiting for. Yeah, yeah. I'm down with the dice roll though. I'm with you. Like I, most sure. of the time, I have an iron gut. I'd Especially rather... if someone else brings you there. Yeah. You know, like if someone vouches for it. So when when you went T Bone to have the chicken, <laughs> were you brought there? Did someone bring you to this this chicken grilling situation? Yeah. 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 And, and so they knew no, they were like, it looks food, weird, but trust me, it was actually on a food tour. Okay. Oh, there you and, go. And it, and it so it was somebody who knew, <laughs> but it was literally at the bottom. Of, this one dude at the bottom of the hill. Yeah. Like sitting there and he's got this thing and it looks like a mess and there's garbage all around him in the ground. And like, it's just, and you knew looking at it, this, I, oh, this isn't I right. It never stops there. <laughs> yeah. Never. Right. But was it great? Was it worth yeah. it? Yeah. Well, it, was great. Crazy. it felt great right. the next day. And everybody's like, you know, let's take the Americans over here and get them fucked up on this bad food. No, it was like, this was legit. Yeah. And it was, you know, like you should, it's just not what we're used to. Yep. For sure. Yeah. Like even that chicken, we were sitting on the shore, like overlooking the ocean on this island. And it was like tangy and salty and citrusy and sweet. And it was just like really good. But there was still that little voice in the back of my head. that said, that is, that bin is just sitting in the sun. Yep. Why is a bin just sitting there? And even with an iron guy, you're like, how is it? It's more like logistics. All these people are eating that. No one gets sick. They've been doing it this way probably for 40 years. No one's coming back and yelling at them. How is this possible? <laughs> every every serve safe certification class is just like ringing somewhere in the background where you're like danger zone and like, like all that shit. Yeah, all that. Like I, I've I've been through I don't know seven of those and oh, it just man. it sticks in your head. You it know does. it's hard to get rid of. <laughs> forty degrees. It's like forty degree above forty degrees for like ain't like half an hour, forty five minutes or some shit like that. And right. They're, they're it's night. It's double that. <laughs> and they're like you know it's par cooked basically by the time they put it on the grill anyway. <laughs> That's you park. look in the bin. It's all kind of white. It's yeah, got that. It's glow. Laser and it like, oh yeah. You know. So the sun starts the cooking process. <laughs> you can see the marination, you know, like if there is like acid or something in the marination or oil or something sure. like that that would kind of oh, stay yeah. off. Like, you know, like okay, maybe that would call. be a little you know, something that would, you know, prolong its kind of its life in that type of condition. <laughs> I'm glad you made it, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right. Lived I love that shit though. <laughs> uh shall well, we? Oh yeah. All right. Cheers, fellas. Cheers. Can we bust into some uh, lager? Yes. Beauty. Mm. Ooh. So, this next question. So uh, corona. T-Bone brought Corona. <laughs> this, next, this next question, T-Bone, uh, came about because I have... I, as much as I try to say that <laughs> I, I think don't, it's clear now we're going to call him T-Bone for yeah, the whole program. Yeah, that's just going to be a thing. <laughs> uh, that uh, <laughs> I, even though I try to tell everybody Gracias. that I don't have like guilty pleasures when it comes to music, um, there are still times where I find myself loving a song or a band and then being like, Why? I can't. All the things that I claim to profess about 
music, but why I love it and why I don't like other things. And then you're like, oh, God, I just like this for no reason. So I was laughing about having to defend it and then thought, well, hey, you're coming on the program soon. Maybe uh, this is a question. So, T-Bone, what bands, artists, songs do you love that you have to constantly defend to friends, coworkers, family, whatever it may be? Is there is there something I, don't, I never have to defend? This. Beautiful, and and I am the worst music guy. Oh, you'll ever ask a right. music question of ever. That's legit. Like, I like all music. I really, really do. Sure, but I basically listen to the same shit all 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 the time, and I'm the same with movies. And don't ask me about reading. If, you're, if question number four is about reading, like you should have an alternate question ready. So I'm very, I'm very bored. A boring. You but, only listen to Bon Jovi and Shaq. T Bone and the Beach, man. I'm, I'm waiting for that tour. Straight up. Yeah. That Billie Eilish has a song called "Everything I Want." Yeah. And I fucking love it. And I. I love it because it just sounds so fucking cool. And it's, and it's just, it kind of like hums and it takes you with it. It kind of lifts you up. And so, you know, I, I, I know that's not weird. Billie Eilish is like unbelievably talented. But that is a song that I, I just love it. And I can listen to it over and over. And it sounds great in my car and whatever. And Billie Eilish, that, I never really suspected that I would be a fan. But I'm, I'm a fan. She's the kind of person that the kind of artist that makes me wish I was closer to her like normal age demographic because I bet it would be really cool to have a sound like that associated with like, oh, that's me. You know, I'm also like 18 and trying to figure out relationships and get out like I I'm always jealous when like previous generations or new generations coming up have those formative because we had our artists that were like with us through high school into college Mm -hmm. or whatever when there's somebody really cool and I'm like, that's awesome. But I would for sure look like the dad whose daughter was like up front at the show. Not that that makes me want to listen any less, but I don't feel, I don't feel any ownership over her career arc right now. Whereas like if I was age wise, like a peer, I think that would make it even more so. Yeah. But I totally agree with like how just fucking cool. Every song sounds. She, yes. I think it's also a little weird that her brother, that the, her and her brother are really, close and that her brother's girlfriend looks like his sister like i mean I, like there's some weird shit there <laughs> and that i know this <laughs> you know even just yeah. the fact that i know yeah, it. yeah. but she, you know like but she's fucking talented and yeah. that, that is a song that yeah I, maybe i think i might have to defend but i feel like it <laughs> maybe now no not maybe now people will be like i heard you like billy eilish <laughs> 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 on live basis for everyone <laughs> yeah i mean like she's what top Top three or top five biggest selling artists in the last two, three years? Like, yeah. I'm sure. Like, we get That it. makes sense. Uh, Charles, what about you? Well, this is a tricky question for mm-hmm. me because I, I saw a meme a few days ago that, was, that said, um, when you use personality D with friend group J, and it's like a guy with his eyes popping out. <laughs> so, that's fucking on, real. Yeah, and, and like oh, that's real. It's really funny. Music and culture and those things can, ha- for me especially, as you know, I'm I'm a Lebanese atheist business owner. 
lots of different friend groups of different walks of life, depending on, you know, educational background or growing up in Northeast Minneapolis or, or what have you. And I also, um, was in metal bands when I was younger. So a lot of, uh, a lot of my experiences with that group of people, if I were to tell them and Quan, we had this conversation. So like a, there's a band called periphery Mm -hmm. that uh, I don't love them, but I like them. If my old death metal friends knew that I like periphery, they would laugh at me or a band like ghost, which I adore. Like I have, I have friends who are my old metalhead friends who are like, how can you like ghost? I'm like, it's an entirely different thing. I like reggae. I like soul. I like R and B. I like hip hop. So I think the answer is that dependent on what group, we're referring to so if it's friend group d or friend group j and they know that i like hip-hop or i like death metal i'd be judged equally and negatively by each of those groups based on who i'm in the company of on that given day even though i don't i'm shameless if i like billy eilish and i don't know maybe i would i just don't I guess I haven't really heard enough of her material. She had one radio song that I thought was really cool and catchy and kind of like spooky. Maybe I would like her, but I'm shameless about the things that I like. And I kind of pride myself on that. I love trash TV music. <laughs> I, I think I'm probably more of a snob about, <laughs> I guess music possibly than I am about other things, but it doesn't mean that I would dislike music that people would make fun of me for. Sure. Maybe sure, I just sure, don't, sure. don't access it quite yet, but that's my answer is that, Different people would make fun of me for everything I listen to. Different people that I know would make fun of me for all of the things I listen to on any given day. That's, I mean, I think that's 100% honest. So, Kwame, I don't remember your, we were talking about this and I brought up periphery. Yeah. And I can't remember what uh, you had said. So, what, where I'm always bummed is that I want, I just want to meet someone someday that is just kind of cool with everything. Because I love, like you were just saying, mm-hmm. like I love unabashed pop, like Billie Eilish or Robin. Uh, I can honestly sing both harmonies on probably like 15 Indigo Girls songs. I love mm-hmm. hardcore rap. I love backpack rap. I love early 90s, really lyrical stuff. Like I love, I'm getting more into metal, hard rock. Uh, mm-hmm. I was, you know, just a giant chunk of my heart will sit in the early 90s from the grunge era. So I just I, I always try to make these demarcations because I feel like much like junk food is formulated f- to try and get you to love it and then keep eating it. I think that like sometimes bad, really hooky formulaic music is the same way. And I try to like push that away as much as I can. But every now and then like one gets through and I just listen to it. And I'm like, I shouldn't like this. It's like a, like the f- I saw at the grocery store, the Flamin' Hot Cheetos macaroni and cheese. And one part of my brain was like, oh, fucking gross. And then well, another part of a mac and cheese that is <laughs> Chester's oh. on it, man. And they have they have a Cheetos Verde, man. which I don't I've never seen the, the Chester actual... co-opted that shit because restaurants started doing it. Yep. <laughs> so they're they're releasing down. it. <laughs> exactly. And uh, <laughs> the other part of my brain was like, yo, but we should try it. What if it's delicious? And I, I feel that way sometimes about music. Where I'll listen to something and I'm like, I shouldn't like this. And then another part of my brain is like, yeah, but it feels good. Come on. And what I, what I, what I was bringing up to you was uh, because I go down weird, weird rabbit holes with music late at night, uh, I found a Dutch 
like arena oh, rock yeah, band. Yeah, that's what it was. That <laughs> sounds like if the dude from Disturbed was singing like Fallen Angel by Poison in like '88. It's like these super super big hooks. Everything is way overproduced. Like it it like sparkles with shine. <laughs> but the fucking record's like really good. Mm. And I sent it out to a few musician friends of mine and I sent it out to a, a few of like my I collect all of the music friends. Every one of the collectors was like this is garbage. Take this out of your ears right now. <laughs> every one of my every one of my musician friends was like dude, this is hooky as fuck. Like this is perfect. Like if you if you had AI design a song that would hook like rock fans that also listen to like a pop station He's like, this is what it would spit out. Like, this is what the computer spits out. Very clear that English is their second language because there are some weird. They sing in English, but like, there's some weird turns of phrase. But what are they called? Did you even say their name? They are called Kensington. Okay, there you go. Uh, You didn't make me listen to a song of theirs after we recorded. Yeah, and it's again, like I said. (laughs) No, I, I, I didn't hate it. I didn't like it. It just existed. Yeah. It's. I, uh, <laughs> I'll try it again. I was. I. No, I don't, it, was, it was just. It felt like it wasn't for me, but it seemed fun. Yeah. yeah. It's. I mean. Yeah. That's probably the best way I could put it. But. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> I hit the feeder bar twice today. I've. I've listened to the the my favorite song in the record twice. The the, mm-hmm. the vinyl is coming to my house. Like I've I've already bought nice. all the way in. All right. I don't. <laughs> I don't. When I feel like I shouldn't like it, doesn't mean that I stop listening to it. It just changes who I can talk to about it. Because <laughs> I don't, don't want to always have to defend it, you know? But I, I do. I feel that way about, uh, like, beverages sometimes, food sometimes. Like, I will stand for the McRib. We've talked about that on this show before. <laughs> like, yeah. it, I just accept what it is. And that piece of mm-hmm. weird science is something that I want. And Yoga mat and... Yeah. Mesquite barbecue yeah. sauce. Was, this is that for my ears. And I was going to say that my my Colorado buddies, like, I'll show up, like, after, like, not seeing them for a couple of years, and I'll have, like, I love, like, surf and, like, skate clothes. Yeah. Like, in general. Mm. Like, yeah. and, I'm, and, the, and I'll walk up and I'll have some, like, chocolate, you know, like, skate shirt on or whatever, and they're like, never. You've never fucking had your foot on a skateboard in your fucking life. Like, why? <laughs> why are you wearing skateboard shit? I'm like, because I fucking like it. I like the clothes. Like, don't. Yeah. Don't. It's all that matters. Like, okay, keen. Like, yeah. come on. What are you? <laughs> right. Shut up. You know, like, go back to the mountains. Yeah, all these dudes wearing Nikes. Or <laughs> <laughs> can barely stand on them. You know? <laughs> they weren't doing 360 dunks at any point. You know what I'm saying? True. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I think, <laughs> I think you just... You own it, and if it looks tell like people to shut the fuck up, yeah. that's what we should tell them. You know what? You don't like it. You don't like this song. Fuck yeah. out of here. You're stupid. I'm, I'm cosplaying a snowboarder. <laughs> yes, okay. Yes, yes. We don't have our own conference yet, but I'm organizing one. Oh, I can't wait to ride in your car and listen to your dumb music. Like, yeah, you let's go through your Facebook photos from ten for ten real. years ago. Let's yeah, figure out bro. how cool you were. Yeah, how cool were you? Are you? Like really? Yeah, honestly, exactly. let's play, let's take a poll. <laughs> Couldn't notice uh, you had roof racks on your Subaru, and you don't. On a kayak. Exactly. It's, a little weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's actually it's actually for luggage. It's, yeah. Oh, you you're doing the suitcases on oh, top? Well, where's the luggage, pal? <laughs> oh my god! I really now I want to see somebody just cruising down with like suitcases on top of their car. Yeah, I haven't seen absolutely. that shit since yeah, the why? 80s. I mean, it's a wagon. <laughs> yeah, look at this National Lampoon shit. <laughs> it's very real. It's got, I will. Don't stop on top it all, of the car. Off. Going again, going into that category though, if if it was remotely affordable and there was a pea green with fake wood paneling station wagon for sale, I would one hundred percent buy that 
from an X-Car. We had a Chevy Malibu Classic 354 barrel paneling on the side. Yes! Absolutely. Oh, uh, I got it. Awesome. I got it wedged in. Like, I drove a little too close to the one side of the garage door, and I got the back end kind of wedged along the garage door. My dad was so pissed. And I stopped the car. I didn't, like, keep going. And then he called his, uh, this is like the dumbest whatever, say you from here. <laughs> but he called his car buddy, Bucky, who came over and he's like, he's like looking at the car kind of wedged by the, <laughs> by the garage door. And he's like, how the fuck did you do that? I'm like, well, I pulled in wrong. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know what he did? He fucking jacked it up and pushed the car away from the wall. So it didn't, <laughs> so it didn't damage like the, the car jack? anymore. Like I was like, jack? Bucky. Yeah, he put. Wow. He, you know, there's a little like upward scratch, about an inch, but he got it up off the ground and he just. That's like, old timey ingenuity. And we pushed it off the jack and he got it away from the wall. You know, if he would have kept the fifth wheel, if we would have kept the fifth wheel, you could have just scooted over. We decided we didn't need the fifth wheel. Thanks, Thanks big car. My first car was a, a navy blue Chevy Cavalier that I lovingly refer to as the Chuck Wagon. <laughs> the Chuck Wagon. <laughs> my uh, my first car was a nineteen. 19- T Bone wants to get in the truck. Yeah. Dude, oh, we would have we would have we would have ripped it. We had some very low speed races after high school class. I had a buddy who had a Flintstone uh, Mercedes with no floorboards. He and I would go eight miles an hour, fucking foot to the pedal, and throw banana peels and sausages that we kept from lunchtime through windows at each other. That's he was like, "What are you doing, man? You guys are barely banana moving. peels and sausages." <laughs> yeah. Polish sausage, a, a rotten yeah, banana, and hot dogs. Those were the days. <laughs> the, 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 I got to call out one of the co-owners of this building. Uh, I've known him since we were 15 years old. First day in in uh, 10th grade, we met, and he had uh, the Chevy Celebrity station wagon, the big, the big butt, uh, wood paneling. It was maroon, had a, a Delco tape deck, and Jaron and I uh, are very disparate in size now. But even back then, I had hit my growth spurt early, and he had not. So there was a solid like foot difference between the two of us. And uh, because I'm young for my class, all of 10th grade, I couldn't drive. He could, so I rode with him a lot. And the first time he picked me up, he pulled up, and he was wearing like an old Evil Knievel motorcycle helmet. <laughs> and he was so short that all you could see was this giant golf ball circle head. <laughs> and he was like, you ready to ride? And he hit play, <laughs> and it was uh, the theme from Shaft. <laughs> and, Shaft. I, and I oh ran out, God. and I jumped in the car. And I'll never forget this. One of the funniest things I've ever heard a human say to me. He looks at me, and he just goes, cloaking device. And he turned the mids off, and then he just took off running, <laughs> or took off driving. And it took, I don't know, four or five minutes. Is this one of these stories we're going to have to delete from the podcast? No. <laughs> this is that 18 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <that> we were- <laughs> yep. He never he never explained why the mids turning off were the cloaking device, but okay. we just pretended we were invisible the whole drive. <laughs> so yeah. if secondary to the National Lampoon car, <laughs> if I could find Jaren's old celebrity station wagon, I would one hundred percent drive it name. with a motorcycle helmet. <laughs> Remember the Chevy citations where the radio was like this? Yes. The radio was like this in the dash and then it would go up. Yeah, they turn it and then we go up. It's yeah, fucked up. Like, so weird. Ooh, a citation. Uh, do you remember? Shot. Do you remember the AMC Gremlin? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> the radio was in the glove box, so weird. you had to pop the glove box in order to access, and then you'd shut it because it was such a uh, tight car. They didn't have room for that space in the middle. 
And I always thought that was the funniest thing ever. There's an AMC Eagle like right in our neighborhood with the paneling on it. Four and the wheel, big like pickup four truck wheels. wheels. It's four wheel oh, drive. Oh, that car oh. is so sexy. It's really ugly and sexy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what did I bring? I brought this is this uh Tequila Ocho. I had it once. Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, Ocho in Mexico. Ooh. Imagine that for a tequila. Lovely. Cheers. Oh. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, wow. Hmm. That's fantastic. Well, you mentioned vanilla. Yeah. Well, the last one. I'm, and it does have like a little casky kind of vanilla to it. That's delightful, though. But, um. I want to the those sweet notes in that. I want to pair that with that's exactly some right. Some bright ass citrus and just like not do anything for the rest of the day. Yeah, I'm like getting like a little. I know oh, yeah. not to be a fucking weirdo, but I'm getting like a little. No, be a weirdo. This is the show for that. Like <laughs> like pineapple husk. Yeah, like there's a mm-hmm. little like mm-hmm. uh, like grassy sweet. Mm, I'm getting that. Yeah, yeah. Do you I'm know what you. I mean? It's kind of like lingering too. Like the sugar in that is. If you have a drop left in your in your cup, take one more because it, it almost gets more. Now that you've taken that in and thought about that, it's almost amplified. That's fuck. That's oh, it's a little more vegetal the second yep. time too. Yeah. Yep. That is very Damn. nice. Thank you for bringing that. That's mm, yeah. that's great. Mm, oh, no problem. Mm. Well, question number three. T Bone. Yes. What do you wish worked here but doesn't? Something that works in other locales. Most likely food service type things. Is there a thing that you enjoy in another locale that doesn't work here? And here could be the Twin Cities. Here could be the Midwest. Choice is yours. If anything occurs to you. Well, the weather doesn't work because there's not enough snow to support the fact that it's so fucking cold. But I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> I'm with you on that. I would just rather have more fucking snow. Like sure. if it's going to be cold, let's get it. Oh, I know. Do I've been, some shit with I've it. Been, do some shit yeah. with it. I've been it. telling Splinter, I need like real one really great snowfall because we both have big ass Jeeps. I want to just like go to, rumbling. To, yeah, out like and, some whip you know? some shitty somewhere, go yeah, somewhere like that. Just go off road and so that, piles of that, snow. That bothers me a little bit that it's cold mm-hmm. and that we don't <laughs> have like the, the other side of it that would mean like, you know, like a little more fun. Like, you know, you like it, it's just frozen cold. It's not. I think, like, I think Buffalo, New York, took all our snow. <clears throat> I've seen how you guys do. <laughs> there was a winter. We literally had a hundred inches of snow before Christmas. Yeah. Oof. Holy and fuck! It was great. It was. Gr- that's, I mean, I was a snow. fucking kid, and we were on the snowmobiles <laughs> or whatever. You know, like yeah. And you know, I, you didn't have to worry about it. Snow banks are like this <laughs> fucking high. Right. Like, you didn't have to worry about where the snow went. You, you couldn't go anywhere. It was just. <laughs> it was amazing. So I miss I, I, that. If um. And then I was, you said something about the hospitality industry and, Mm -hmm. you know, I wish, I I wish Minneapolis was a later night city. Mm. Yes. So what I see from a food and drink culture is, is like, that is what you do no matter what, all of the time. And the majority of us, that's what we all do. And it doesn't necessarily happen here. So... You go to Chicago and everybody's like, okay, where are we going? What are, you know, now, tonight, this time, you know, and like, it's always about like, you know, like being out, having clubs and music supporting a late night scenario doesn't work. And, and, and 
I'm even talking pre-COVID. It was, you know, like, it just, we don't have things to extend our night here. Right. So we, so that real deep, deep, deep culture of being out and dining late and, and those things, that doesn't work here. And I want it to really bad. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be that so many places. 112 Eatery was the one. Yep. Right. And, and somehow Isaac's, you know, been really good at that, but I, little Tijuana. Mm. Okay. But there's only a couple places, you know, where, where it's either that or you're going to like drop some, uh, 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 karaoke vibes at Vegas lounge later right. or something like that. But sure. there's like late night. It's really, it's really hard to like find something you want to gravitate to. It's uh, fucking <laughs> as a, a DJ of almost 20 years. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, like that's the hard about the city because it should be realer. It should be yeah. later. But we just yeah. don't have the density. It's part of it for sure. Yes. Or the I, mass I, transit. I think or also we're, we're sort of uh, also just kind of conditioned that you don't have options. Even like late night food options. No diners are open late at night. You know, you can go to Burbs and eat at a, a Perkins or something. But other than that, you leave a bar, you have a late night at a bar and you want to eat something. Luce. Good fucking luck. You got to order Luce. pizza Luce. And you know it. And they're there That's for it. That's it. Right. And, and they deliver, and they 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 have the wits about them to know that they're selling a lot of fucking pies at 1 a.m. 25 years of business, too. That proves that. For sure. For sure. What's the other, the, like, the sandwich place that's late that's uptown, too? Like Caffrey's. Caffrey's. Yeah. Right. Man, I had a couple of Savior uh-huh. sandwiches from there, man, before. Like, yeah. oh, not, wow, yeah, extra mayo, not, please. They're not the best sandwiches, but they taste like the best sandwiches when you leave <laughs> a bar and you're oh, like, yeah. ooh, Dude, sandwiches. So <laughs> that, that, whole, that whole block is kind of having a little bit of a, a renaissance, and the rest of uptown A renaissance. A renaissance. And I don't know if you saw it, they, uh, they, they added um, like some kind of mural stuff to the front of it. And up the side of the building, it says, home of the sandwich. And I was like, well, that's fucking arrogant. And then I thought about it a couple of times that, that Caffrey's has saved my life. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that night, that was 100% the sandwich. That was the sandwich Dude, I needed at I, that time. I got, yeah, and I got different ones. Like, it wasn't like it was the same thing that I went to oh every time. Oh, my God. But it was the fucking sandwich that saved my life. <laughs> that's smart branding. Yeah. You'd, you'd, so here's the thing. I bet there's a lot of people kicking in uptown that had that sandwich and absolutely fucking forgot. They totally forgot where they ordered a sandwich from, right? And then three months later, they're fucking hammered. They're starving. They're stumbling around. The Uber is, like, supercharged. And they see that mural that says, the sandwich. That's the sandwich. They're like, dude, the sandwich. This was the sandwich. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, it's legit. I literally went from, like, pure uh, incredulity What's mm-hmm. incredulity? Is that incredulity, right? Yeah. Incredulity. Mm-hmm. I went from that to like. <laughs> oh, actually, that's pretty legit. That's that's fucking. Yep. All right, you win. You win today, Caffrey's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm no not taking that sandwich home because I don't need the sandwich. But it's good to know that you're still there. Ah, yeah, that's a big one. I I'm with you. I wish we had. I, I've lamented that as a lifelong Northeaster my entire adulthood. That I wish at, late at night I could just pop in somewhere and grab a bite to eat but it's just it's conditioning because there's no reason it doesn't exist we it's should organize that, it we should organize yeah. it as a zonal thing like yeah one night it's over here and they stay open late one night over here and they stay open late there is a thing that even Stuart women 
Um, and you wouldn't think, I don't know, you guys know Stuart yeah. Woodman. Mm, yeah. Stuart Woodman wasn't necessarily bringing all like the family together the whole time. You know, he's kind of like a, a rough house. <laughs> but anyway, there were a couple nights where he really. <laughs> that's real quick. That's the best way I've ever heard that put. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> but there was a couple nights where he was, he, you know, he was trying to get, you know, chefs to bring some special things to his restaurant late one night and it happened and it was really incredible and everybody wanted to participate. And, um, and for a minute there was like a thing where, you know, we're all going to go to corner table at midnight when everybody's done with service and we're going to throw it out. Everybody's going to throw it out, you know? And, and so I think, I think there's something there Yeah, where, you know, you get everybody organized to go out at eight, and then it's like, all right, 50 of us are going to throw down. We're going to go back. We're all going to do the dishes together, too, or whatever. Like, the restaurant shouldn't be, like, thrash. But maybe it should be. And then but to go to a restaurant late with, like, imagine the old corner table going back there with Thomas and Nick Rancone at, like, midnight and fucking that place up for a couple That's, hours. Yeah. That would have been amazing. Well, oh. I mean, truth be told, I feel like I did that at Town Talk more than a few times. <laughs> yeah. A bunch of people <laughs> fucked that place up. It was, like, literally, it was, it was Town Talk and Aura. Uh, in, in Uptown right off of Hennepin. Like, those were the, if you could get cut by X time, like, I knew exactly how long it would take to get a rainbow cab and get all the way over there. And I could do the math on whether or not, like, mm. depending on who was working, whether or not I could get served. You squeeze in the door. And if, you know. if I could make it, we'd go to Town Talk. And if I didn't think I could make it, I'd go to Aura. Because Chris Beats, the weekend bartender, would always, <laughs> mm. even if it was, like, after, if it was within 10 minutes, He'd be like, all right, Quam, you can come in. One thing. And I'd like have money in hand. Beer and shot, you pick. Boop. Yeah, when, uh, when T-Bone remarked uh, 112, <laughs> it made me think of when Saffron, RIP, was around. The, the dudes who worked there, the, the crew who worked there, would go shuttle over to... If they got off work and they wanted to get a bite to eat, they could go across the street because 112 was still open. So like Cameron Bourne, for instance... He's, he will always adore 112 because he had all those memories of having just worked a long shift and finally able to get out the door. And he wants to eat something, and he can trips directly across the street. I and, would spend and every fucking dollar I made. I would be like, absolutely, yes. <laughs> yeah. Tonight is our night, bro. We are going to go yeah, across that street, me. and we are going to like do this English muffin burger and Dude. like all the. Yeah. I still make my breakfast sandwich. <laughs> modeled after the old breakfast croissant with the harissa on it like that was are you kidding me that at like 1240 was the greatest thing ever like the 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 eggs were just set enough that they were a little toothsome and the croissant was just soft enough that it gave you that little push through and then the harissa would hit like that oh that sandwich to this day Mm. man i missed that Mm. No, I want shit that. like that. That's why I'm pissed. <laughs> Man, <laughs> I'm into I'm it. Oh, is that me? Don't, yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't. I, I agree with you. Like, I I really wish we just had more snow things to do. I was fortunate enough to be able to go up to my cabin last weekend, and uh, we took like my father-in-law has like a Ranger, which is like a four four wheeler on steroids with like a little cab, and it's got a little snowplow on it. And nobody had been up there for months, so all the snow had just been accumulating and then blowing off the lake. So there were actually some, it was pretty deep. It was, you know, between a foot and two feet in the backyard. And we just drove it all the way down to the lake and then turned around and drove it right back up. 
and we took the tubes out and we went and because of the ridges that the plow line made it was kind of like a like a luge and i just thought like this would be a magical existence for children if they could get it but usually half of our winter is just like dry barren rocks and shit and i hate that so i will agree with you 100 percent uh but for my if we wanted to go food and bev with it i'm i'm just still mad that we can't figure out like a late night lounge culture and a late night like food street food culture I know that the weather is, is prohibitive, but honestly, it's more with our city laws than anything else. Like, I can't believe that we still can't figure out a way to just have some carts out doing sausages, doing euros, doing tamales, doing whatever, to just get food back even into warm, people. Even the, the warm months, the nine months a year where yeah. that would be, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's bonkers. Every other city, and I'm not talking just the big ones, like places like uh, Indianapolis or like Madison or you know where like even those cities have carts out in the like the the people go out till close night like areas and there's always something to be had like I fell in love with euros because there was a euro food cart right next to the taxi stand in Oslo Norway and you'd have to queue up and wait for a cab and this dude was like cool I'm just gonna set up shop right here and chop shit up there's no reason that we shouldn't be doing that, giving A, uh, entrepreneurs a chance to make some money, but B, putting food into people that have just spent the entire night drinking who are now all waiting for Ubers and Lyfts because there's no cabs anymore. So everybody has to stand there and wait. Well, let's put some food in them and let's make it delicious. Like there's, there's just no fucking reason that you shouldn't walk out of a bar to the street and immediately smell like sizzling things on a hot flat top or a hot grill. And where do you think that would work like optimally where if you could name an area in the twin cities that after bar close present time in the summer, where do you think a good spot for that would be? Maybe like a cluster of three food purveyors. North loop. Yeah. I would say like in the North loop, uh, I honestly think like where the, the shows are when they're letting out in downtown, because there's nowhere Mm. around there that still has their full kitchen open. So if they don't, if they're saying we don't True. want to compete, well then cool, then yeah. somebody else should. Um, I, I think those are really yeah, easy those ones. Are a couple of good spots. Um, yeah. And then honestly, like something in Northeast, because there should be an option besides Heggie's Pizza in in this area. Like to mm-hmm. me, the best dive bars in the the Twin Cities are in this neighborhood. And yet, if you don't want a frozen pizza, there's really no options for you late. Yeah, Grumps. Outside of, yeah, outside of like Max Industrial. Mm-hmm. So are we going to come sure. around again and be later culture when COVID's over? Are we going to do that? Like, I honestly don't know. It's up to know. the kids. I, I've, been, I've been saying, like, I just don't know where we land with some of these things after all this time. So people, I, I do a lot of um, data analysis regarding food and beverage trends because of what I do. So on a marketing basis, we discovered after the last wave when we all or many of us got vaccinated and we were able to essentially behave the way that we used to behave, that the honeymoon period was a lot briefer than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to last much longer than it did. We're I thought there was going to be, I thought it was going to be bacchanalia all summer. I thought people were Mm -hmm. going to be partying all summer. But a lot of the people who are introverts just wanted write a first refusal. 
So there were a lot of people who partied for a month and they were like, okay, I'm fine. We're back to normal, right? So I'm okay. I'm curious if, and we talked about it on the last episode, I'm curious if this next, this most current version of, you know, deep cold winter, things are scary again. I'm curious if those people maybe will say, okay, I learned my lesson. Last time I should have just like really lived it up because I didn't because I thought, well, now that's over and things are normal again. I wonder if we conclude as a society uh, locally and otherwise that the, those opportunities could be taken away from you at any time. I hope that that's true. Because if that happens on a broader spectrum, it doesn't have to be everybody. But let's say we add 20% of the people to the pool of people like us that will go out to eat late at night. If we can add 20% more of us to the pool that say, why can't I get a fucking sandwich at 12.30 a.m. in Northeast Minneapolis? Maybe someone will be brave enough to be the first to try to cater those people. And then that opportunity proves itself with merit and we can see if other entrepreneurs are willing to do it and then bam, 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 bam. Cause part of it probably like, would you agree with this, Tim? That like, it, it, there's a possibility Excuse me, it's, T-bone, it's T-bone. that it's possible. <laughs> no one wants wondering to be who first. he's fucking talking to. I was like, <laughs> oh, shit, did a Tim just Tim. show up? Would, would you <laughs> agree that it's possible that nobody wants to be first when it comes to those types of things in this marketplace? Cause this isn't also, I, I hate to say this because I don't want anyone to take offense, but sometimes this marketplace can be an also ran like, well, they did it now we can do it, but it's a harder for people to be the first to do something. Always. Yeah. There, there's, there's a couple places that are good at like late night. And and mm-hmm. that's and that's really it. Like say Nightingale, for example. Nightingale kind of over and over just does it, you know, and I think it's kind of they they get you with the things you know over and over. And they like mm-hmm. win you mm-hmm. with the that with, with that scenario, like you, I know I want the fries with the aioli, and I want that rosé on tap, and that's what I want every fucking time I go there. I know sure. everybody else goes for different reasons, but yeah. Yeah. they've they've like stated their case. They are open. And they're doing it. It's really a difficult thing, especially now when businesses are looking at reducing hours to to make the most amount of money in the least amount of time because labor is right. so expensive because we've been hurting for so long. So for this opening up to happen, it's like it's like a fucking jet engine in here. It's like having a podcast and a fucking jet engine. Just joking. I was like Rick like, Nelson. <laughs> I did a podcast with Rick Nelson the other day, and he was like, "We were." I was. I, I said I had beef with him because he was in my <laughs> restaurant. It was so loud, and then he made some quote about it, like you know, being like a marching band in a monastery or some shit. That's how loud it was. And then, and then it was like it was like like a jet engine in there. It was like a jet engine, and I had to go to really? the restroom and like take a break. I don't know. No, this, no, this is Quam's up there being HVAC guy. He did it. <laughs> I like how he's. The best part was him tiptoeing across the balcony. Tip, there. Yeah, because like, like we could hear it. We didn't hear you tiptoeing across the balcony up there. <laughs> but yeah, we that got we flipped that thing off before you came in. But it just turned its uh, the ghost turned it back on. Wait, so he said about which restaurant that it sounded like a jet engine? Moochie St. Paul. At Moochie. Okay. <laughs> Because I told him I had beef with him from like five years ago because I wanted him to write a review about Moochie's and he didn't write the review. And I'm, but he was there one night and I was over at Dinette <laughs> and I'm like, fuck, you know, he's there and I'm not there. And then he was like mad that it was not mad, 
But he was bothered by how fucking loud that restaurant yeah. was. And then I put up sound panels. Like after he left, the next day I called like the sound my sound panel guy. Right. Because I have a sound panel guy. Yeah, I'm like, sound panel guy. Like you need to come through, man. Commonly and so overlooked. I put him up, and then yeah. I sent Rick a picture <laughs> of the sound panels. I'm like, you need to come back, and I never saw him again. Oh. <laughs> so I brought it up on Niver and Iverland just oh, the other nice. day. And I'm like, Rick, I have a beef with you. Oh, I can't wait to hear that. <laughs> wait, so okay, let's circle back before the jet engines turned on in here. What were you talking about? It was the. Um, what were you talking about? <laughs> no, T Bone was talking about uh, late night eats and uh, so Nightingale. Oh, yeah, and like oh, Nightingale is, it, yeah. is somebody going to be the the vanguard, the trailblazer? Yeah, to, because it's to, so tough to, to try and drag everybody else through. You, you have to. It's really got to be a vibe. Now, I do see Meteor Bar being some of that. Sure, sure, mm-hmm. sure. And they are the ones that I think that are, you know, most every night open and solid yes. and there and trying to be late night for y'all. But, you know, while that's not like a full kitchen, you know, they do the hot dog thing. Right. But but there's just not that many folks yep. that are saying, hey, we're going to bite off this late night crowd, especially now when things right. are yeah, limited. Right now, especially. So I really... I really think and hope that the opportunity will arise way more when people are feeling freer. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a little too early to say, but that's hard about this town even before. Yeah, I'm hoping we didn't squelch even more of that. Can I, can I throw out a semi-existential question relating to this? <clears throat> so, do you want to tell him no? Try it. Charles, tell him no. Because I'm going to do it anyway. If it's... If it's <laughs> Tangentially related related to this yeah. talking point of this question, then absolutely. So, obviously, we've pointed out the T Bones a few years older than us, but I would put us all into a certain bracket. When the Pew Research team is out looking, we would probably end up in the same category. <laughs> uh, in our formative years, my experience with late night had a lot more uh, uppers allegedly involved. Between caffeine and cocaine and the ilk, and with the prevalence of <laughs> marijuana and the acceptance, <laughs> oh whoa, yeah, some, and the some deep market research and the acceptance of <laughs> prescription drugs into normal like going out life, which is honestly something that's made me really uncomfortable. Hmm. Do you think that because? I feel like I've seen the the paradigm shift because people don't want to stay up all night. When I was in my 20s, the oldest people in the club were doing rails in the bathroom. They wanted it to last until sun came up and there wasn't anything for them. So they'd stay out as long as they could. And then they would go back to an after party at somebody's place. Everyone that I know that is now that age in their like 20s, maybe even early 30s, that that just isn't a thing. People have their little weed pens. They have their edibles. They have whatever. The urge to stay out all night, and part of this may be the way that the last two, and then on top of that, another two or three years have gone, where there's a the 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 temperature in the room has risen a little bit. So maybe people aren't pushing to all be around in the same area as much too. But for me, I just feel like I've seen consumption switch. 
And I don't know. I mean, the fact that like we live in a pretty big metropolitan area, you know, if you include the suburbs, it's a million mm-hmm. people. And we don't have really a single nightclub doing anything right now. We don't have anybody catering to lounge vibes or anything like that, really. There's pop-up nights and there's certain times that you can go to certain places. But there's nobody that's pushing for that. And there isn't like even a neighborhood where you could go bop around to a couple places like that. And the Coke has fentanyl in it. Yeah, you know, exactly. You know, you can't I mean, even that's, do, even if you wanted to It's do fucking Coke, real. Yeah. The, the only thing I say to that is that I don't think that we've seen a precipitous drop in late night business in cities like Chicago where I can still go to Asteria at 1 a.m. and then mm-hmm. get some Big Star Tacos at 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they're seeing same, if not rising levels of business. And I know this is a different market, but if you, if you say there's a correlation, then they would have saw some kind of drop. I'm sure that like, sure. Those people that like were people that did that. Yeah. Maybe they're not around later at night, but also if someone's ripping a bunch of Coke, they're probably not going to go to the diner either. That's, that's Agreed. Not, I just, not worth I don't know. It's just really hard to night. figure out who's going to go and do what. Right. Now. And, 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 mm-hmm. and I hear you. Like, that's where I'm looking at is like, who's the group that's going to make it cool to go do that? And I don't know who those people are right now. Well, well and dining turns into experiences like, you, you know, like it's not just going out to eat anymore in a lot of places. It is a show because it can't just be like, we're going out to eat like a, mm-hmm. like a simple dining experience. Isn't necessarily that anymore, you know? Um, but I think to, uh, the, that this, these last two years just kind of skewed us in a way. Like we just honestly had, don't have answers. Mm. I really feel like it's an opportunity. Mm. Like, totally. There's really Big an time. opportunity after this for us to kind of open back up. I hope we do. I hope we, it's there. Yeah. We burn the prairie. Those people, those people the soil. Exist. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. The people that want that opportunity exist. They reside in our twin cities and the the greater metropolitan area it's a matter of can you get them can you can you get their eyes first and then can you get their heels like you need to they need to see that you're doing it and then they have to go do it so you have to entice them and i think someone's going to be first it's i mean this is oddly enough the lame end of this exact same spectrum is lunch and when Eastman was on. We were talking about how we're all lamenting the fact that lunch doesn't exist anymore either. And it speaks to T-Bone's point about the tight window of (laughs) the tight window of, of service, right? Like trying to just like, let's mash it in, you know, and there's still like brunch opportunities, right? So that's okay. We can fill that bracket on Saturday and or Sunday and we can staff that and it's going to be gangbusters, but otherwise it's, dinner service dominates now so it's just that window what like a five-hour window let's try and make this as profitable as possible and i've do you think wild bills and fucking apple valley is packed until 2 a.m though i mean i I would i mean i'm glad you don't know that's the but i'm just saying how long have have they always been but i'll tell you what like suburbs are a different beast right now too Yep, I they totally agree. Really, with you. really, really are. That's where, but are we talking today, today, or are we talking about like today, today? Right. Like, well, that's part of it. Is that maybe there are people who don't give as much of a shit. But if we're talking post, if we're talking endemic times, which is front facing, what we're going to be dealing with, hopefully very soon. That place was always going to be full, but can we get a place full like that here? Because it would, it would change. We'd have to change dynamics, wouldn't we? <laughs> like. It would, 
hey, now you can hang out here until this time and there will be people present. Right. And Meteor, yeah, it's an excellent example. Because I know, because I'm one of those people that can be drawn in. Mm -hmm. And Quam's one of those people that can be drawn in. Of course, T-Bone is because you brought this fucking thing up in the first place. But I go to Meteor a lot after going to another mm-hmm. bar or tap room or Same. distillery because I know they're there for me yep. and I know it's going to be popping. You go there on a Friday night at midnight and it's full. Like it's, and they're good. And they're been a yeah. long time since I've been there too. I got to get off my own fucking ass and get over there. But the, like, if that's where you're going to go, that's, that's the place to go. Totally agree. Yeah. You know it. Absolutely. Uh, I'll, I'll rush through my yeah. answer. My answer is just uh, dim sum. Why can't we do uh. like, real dim sum and then do it all the time instead yeah. of we have like two we have one very good and one great weekend dim sum spot mandarin kitchen and yangtze yeah yangtze and june was doing all day every day dim sum when they first opened and it was very good but i think that people just weren't they didn't see it i think it was visibility for me that's always it's always a question of visibility. if you're good at what you do then people should be there right like this mm-hmm. Especially as like a marketing and creative person, that's my thing. If you're good at what you do, and like if your service is good and your product is good, and then you fill that third box, which is marketing and creative. If you fill all three of those boxes, that's it. You're gonna you should be you're right. gonna make money. That's that's the way it works. I wish we could not only support uh, having dim sum spots that are open all day long, every day, but. I want some Xiao Long Bao. I want the soup dumplings. I can't get them. And it's because of the... I don't never had a soup dumpling in this city. Yeah, because there's no persistence of service. I think it's because, like, it's such a hard thing to produce that you need to have that replicable business where that's a lot of labor to make those things. That's got to be it. Because why else is it that we we can't get some fucking soup dumplings? Mm, (laughs) If you're okay with a little meatball in the middle of the soup in the dumpling, the tea house actually has some pretty legit ones on University... Yeah, like Yangtze like makes them, but they're yeah. not the same. Yeah. Like the ones I I, I've had a couple here, but they're like a, just a little different. But if you go to San Francisco and have a soup dumpling, you're like, oh, hang on oh, yeah, a second. Yeah, 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 Don't yeah, ever yeah, want to yeah, eat yeah. anything else. I just yeah. want that. Right. It's like Forever. the best thing in the world. Uh, I want soup dumplings. <laughs> Big time. I get advertised to a lot with the frozen ones because there are brands now that do like giant frozen bags of them. It's probably Saturday Night Dumpling Club's fault because I'm talking about them and <laughs> exactly. about them a lot. Same here. But. I want to try some of the soup dumpling delivery services because they look pretty good, but I'm so worried that they won't be any good. Like, I get my hopes up and order a 50-pack of these soup dumplings, and then be like, ah. the, A friend of mine recommended a company to me, and I actually went to their website and checked it out, and it was like free shipping on orders over $90. 99 <laughs> It's XEJ. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And I was like, that's, a, that's <laughs> aggressive for like, hey, I've never had your food before. Well, <laughs> Order it and spend $100. And, and they then... fudge the numbers so you have to order three bags because they're $48 each. Exactly. And so you have to – no, $46. So yep. even if you get a bottle of sauce, you're a dollar short. Yeah. So they're trying to get so you, you have three, to get three $46 bags. Anyways. <laughs> hey, cheers, guys. Cheers to that. <laughs> to a dumpling full of tequila. Mm. All right. Ooh. Is this me again? Yeah. Double, double. That was good. Warm. Oh, Oh, this is a fun one. T-Bone. Are you the type of fella that springs out of bed or are you slow to function? I asked this question on my Instagram yesterday and I was like, that's a good LFE question. Mm -hmm. 
I'm ready to go. Yeah. And I'm ready to go probably before I get out of bed. <laughs> the wheels are already spinning. Yeah. And I'm, so, I'm fascinated. You have to tell me what that morning routine looks like then. Well, I mean, if <laughs> I sleep okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, four or five o'clock rolls around, you know, you kind of get that early morning, like, oh, I got to pee or whatever. Uh, yeah. And then I come back to bed and I'm like, oh, oh I got some lease negotiations. <laughs> What's the bank account at? Uh, you know, yeah, pretty fucking busy today, all day. And so then I'm like, okay, all right, all right. And I ever, like, you know, it's 524, dude, you know. You got a you, couple hours. You, you got a couple asleep? hours. I'm like, shake the shoulders out, <laughs> you know, like trying to fall back asleep. Mm-hmm. And then, I, but I'd like fall asleep and I'll like dream about work <laughs> or some shit that I got to yeah. do. So, dude, we have the same processor. It's like, <laughs> You're so like, then, I, needs so then I wake up. T-Bone needs to sleep. So then I wake up and I'm, I'm pretty much like on my deal and I will often like. What time? Uh, eight o'clock, eight thirty. Okay. Like I can sure. wait that long. So you do go back, you, you get I, like your uh, fever dream state. sleep where it's like you're already kind of working because you're yeah. dreaming about yeah. You come up with a new idea. Snooze yeah. alarm okay. sleep. Little increments. <laughs> not great. Of like windows into weird shit in your brain. Yeah. But then I'll go, you know, my, and I work with my wife too. So like, you know, that's always like a possibility that a work, you know, we're like looking at each other like when's the next fucking work question going to come from that one side of the couch to the other side of the couch? Because we work together. We live together. We mm. love together. And, and so there's no, some, you really have to like consider that separation in the morning, you know, so I'm sipping my coffee. I'm like, here comes the, I, the computer oh. comes out. Here comes the work question. Hey, just one work question. I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I've really been doing this, but like, um, I think my mind is busy and I like it that way. And I will often have a little, like either my iPad, like sitting close to me or like a, a post-it or whatever, and I'll just I'll, I'll be I'll be trying to I'll be chill, drinking my coffee, sitting back, drinking my coffee. But I will also kind of have like the start of my day going. So it's happening. It's happening okay. before I get up, and I ain't that stressed out. It's not that weird. It's just like I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go, almost always. Cool. So you're like when you get up, you can have a conversation right away too. Yeah. Are you that? Yep. You're just yep. like okay. Oh, and my son yep. can't. I'm and here. I look at him <laughs> with like the death eyes, like boy. You better answer me. I say good morning. <laughs> okay. I need like, two oh, more. Fuck. I need two good morning words. Back. Yeah, right. Okay. I the answer is okay. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's even worse than not answering. <laughs> he just texts you Come an on, emoji. I think of you sleep in. Oh, I for think. sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, my, brain does, my brain does what yours does from like 10 till midnight i i'll get everything set like wait so if you get up at 10 it'll work like that no no no. like from 10 p.m till i decide to go to bed oh okay i thought you meant if you get up at 10 a.m no 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 no, no. i'll get i'll get my my brain you get crazy brain late at night for sure absolutely and i always have that that goes back to it's like death rows like your brain's like don't go to sleep i got these ideas yep yep. (laughs) i was in elementary school i would lay uh so i i went through this phase where um, like I had a bed, but I would like put a sleeping bag on my bed and that was like my comforter. And reason I liked it was it was like a, a full grown adult sleeping bag. So I could pull the sleeping bag over my head and I could read with a flashlight. 
and I'd read like two, three hundred pages every night. Like I just burned through books, and I'd usually fall asleep somewhere around you know midnight, one a.m. on like a school night when my alarm was going to go off at six a.m. And as that got older, like I worked in the bar industry, I DJed, I was always there till close. So 1 a.m. became 2 a.m. And then after counting money and doing all that, it's 3, it's 4. I'm managing. I have to wait till the last person's out. It's 4.30. So I, I just, my 20 years, actually probably 30 years at this point, have been wired in that those last few hours of the day are the most important. And my life is completely flipped now. So really, my workday usually ends between five and six. And I love the fact that I go home to my wife every night and we get to hang out. She gets up usually around 5.30 or 6 and kind of starts her day. She'll get ready. She's usually out the door by like 7. And she'll say goodbye. And I'll you know give her a smooch. And then she bounces. And I usually go back. And that's where I have the same sleep you were talking about, where some insane dream with whatever was going on in my world will get pieced together. And then usually around eight, it's like, hey, get up. I try to read for 10 to 15 minutes before I get out of bed. And whatever's left, I have this like 24-ounce Arctic Yeti thing next to me. And whatever's left in there, I won't get out of bed until I drink it. I want to start the day with some sort of like good long-form writing and water in my system. And then I will get out of bed start the coffee, jump in the shower, and then that's like the start of it. But if I don't have anything I have to do, like I would probably comfortably stay in bed, even if I'm not sleeping, I would comfortably stay in bed till like 9 or 9.30. Oh, that's not even that I'm fucking just late. Like, you sound like, you, like, oh, all the way till 9.30? I mean, well, yeah, but I like, slept till 10. Th- Listen, I had the shit kicked out of me for the last two weeks. I got, I, I got to sleep until 10, 10.30 the other morning. I was like dopey all day because I got to sleep till 1030 in the morning. Like that shit didn't work either. You know, like, I was like, what the fuck? Like, but you know, 930 ain't late, bro. <laughs> like 930, like nothing, you know, the morning news is still on, man. Jason DeRusha is still on dude, That's air. it. That dude. And he's been there <laughs> since three. You know, like it's that, that kind of shit's he's wild to me. Totally. When I, uh, three. I, I spent three and a half, four years working out at the airport and I had to be like, I had to start getting things open at 4 a.m. And Jason and I used to text each other, like, who was wearing cooler socks. And it was just wild. That I was like, I can't believe there's another human that, like, volunteers to be up this early in <laughs> the The one morning. other person you could actually text yeah, exactly. at that time. <laughs> but, like, but, again, for me, it was, it, I, I would prefer to stay up late and sleep in than I would to, than I would prefer to, like, uh, go to bed super early and get up super early. Mm. But I also, uh, I read this, this article, and uh, this probably doesn't make much sense because you guys are early morning people, but um, it was talking about the idea of um, protest by procrastination, where that's the only time that I get to me is that like late night when my wife has fallen asleep, no one from work is talking to me, no one is doing anything. And so I get to do whatever I want. And the article that I was reading was from, written by a team, well, it was one lead writer from a team of psychologists that was talking about the phenomena where if you work in a job where you're constantly having to help with other people doing things, that the solitude that any time, whether that's early in the morning or late at night, will provide to you becomes more valuable because that's your time. 
So even if I'm going down a weird Alice in Wonderland rabbit hole about music, or if I'm reading about how a pressure cooker actually cooks food faster, like whatever that is, whatever those little bits of knowledge are, those are treasures that are just for me. Where when all other duties were finished or pushed off till the next day, I get a little time to kind of like feed, feed my brain. And that's, I think, I mean, even video games do that for me. Like mm-hmm. watching the Sunday night football game does that for me. It's like, this is just for me. And for a little while there, like the whole world is shut down. And I think that's actually a residual leftover from my late nights in the bar industry. Mm-hmm. My favorite sound was driving home to silence. Maybe open a window, maybe not. Mm-hmm. But just that, that whoo, yeah. the car, like, I love that sound. After all the noise. After all the chaos. Sure. And I think that's like a residual holdout from, from that time in my life where my brain's like, we can still do cool shit with this, but we could like learn. We could, we could find something new. We could find a new recipe. We could find a new band. We could find a new show. We could read a book. Like whatever it is, like this is our time. <laughs> this is our, our one little fleeting time. And I think so it, I think it's it that's just that's ambiversion. You're, I, so don't throw that out like I'm supposed to know what that is. Like introvert, extrovert, ambivert, mm. right? It's a it's a term that maybe not a lot of people are familiar with, but when I bring it up, it's just like um um oh god, it's slipping me now. Uh, misophonia. When mm. I bring up misophonia, a lot sure. of people are like, "Oh, that's me." Yep. Oh shit, okay, you just didn't know what it was called. Uh being an ambivert means, you know, like the middle ground. And we're all ambiverts to different degrees, but you're such an extroverted yeah. person. You need to recharge your back. We all need to recharge your No one wants to be bumping all the time. You don't want to be sleeping with music bumping in the background. You just don't. Mm-hmm. You know? So, like, that's you recharging your batteries where you're like, that's enough. Mm-hmm. Now I need to be zen, and I need to only hear the sounds I want to hear mm-hmm. and smell the smells that I want to smell. That's what it is. It's yeah. like, that's that portion of your the equation in your life. Even if you're a 90-10 extrovert, 10% introvert, that's like your your scale. Yeah. I'm a 70-30 person. I like social interaction and, and conversation, being among people and friends 70% of the time. 30% of the time, like, let me kick it with my cat. Let me kick it with the dog. I'm going to play video games. I'm going to read a book. I'm going to fart. No one can smell it except them, but they're farting more than I am. You know, I'm going to cook the food I want to cook. I'm going to do the things that I want to do, and no one can bother me. Sure. Right? I think I'm an introvert. Do you think so? Yeah. Yeah. But I, mean, I don't want to hang okay, out at play, all. Play. I don't want to hang out at all. I honestly yeah. want to stay the fuck So home. zero? I'm already out. You're not, I don't think I'm already like, out. I'm already out all the fucking time. What's your percentage, though? Because you're not a zero extra. No. <laughs> do you think you're 30, 70? I'm... I might be 37. Okay, so you might be the absolute opposite. The I get a lot of reps. I get a lot of I get a lot of like you're reps. You're good at socializing. People. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm I'm you really must good find at some it. Enjoyment. And I know what to say and I know all this stuff, but I you know, it becomes sometimes it's performative. Sometimes it's laborious. <laughs> well, yeah, mm-hmm. No, like I always mean it. Sure. Yeah. But I have to do it. It is part of my job. Sure. And I don't I don't want to call it performative because mm. Performative is uh, there's some level of not being true there, like you have to, and like oh, yeah, yeah, and sure. I do I right. do have to, but like you know it is me to be nice, and I want you to have like a great fucking time and and all that. But I I will I will absolutely turn off now. I will absolutely go home and not. I don't want to talk to anybody, man. 
Do you think wow. using your social energy for your vocation might pull more of the energy out of you because it's a responsibility than if you were to sure. do it? Yeah. Just willfully. I'm not from all. here either. I, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, so I don't have a base of friends here. Okay. And so the people that are my friends are the people I work with. And so that when I work with them, they're my friends and we're, we're really good friends and it's deep friendships. It, though on your day off, you don't tend mm-hmm. to call the people you ah, work with. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit of a thing for me, you know, right. like, you know, like I'm caught up in between not necessarily having my lifelong friends here, not one of them. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then, you know, like the people that like I do know, like that I do hang out with, they are my work people. <laughs> Tread with care. Like I, the first sip was a little <laughs> fucked up. It was a little bit like salmon and jelly. T-Bone uh, brought us some <laughs> uh, Modelo Chilada. Modelo Chilada. <laughs> Is that, is the it, color, it's not even color, a 16 what the fuck the is this a 32 like ounce can of a gelada brick <laughs> is that wait how big is that 25 ounce i don't i don't i don't know my guess is 20 well, maybe I'm, yeah, 24, either, yeah. 24 fluid okay <laughs> that's she's a dope yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh man that's that's fascinating <laughs> if only a guy got hit in the head with one of those instead of a twisted tea then <sighs> this would be very popular <laughs> you know it tastes like uh a V8. Carbonated. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> I can't wait for you to have yeah, some, you have to have That's <laughs> fucked up that I brought that shit here to this, to this high-class Usually show. When someone says, I can't wait for you to have some, it's because it's so good. That's what... That's what <laughs> I can't wait for you to have some. <laughs> Please fuck yourself what, up with that, Chilada. If you, if you changed... You could have just stopped at... The first three words. If you change cranberry on the gun to tomato on the gun, and then you did the soda water and the tomato <laughs> button together, that's what we end up with. You're that's All totally right, once, it. once again, I'm gonna. <laughs> this is our first sarcastic. Oh, okay. This is our first sarcastic drink. Oh man, that's really bad. I'm so glad it's. <laughs> I'm so glad it sucks in a way. It smells like if someone drank nothing but Clamato for 24 hours <laughs> yeah. and then shit their pants in the morning. <laughs> oh, man. It is that way. It is that way. It, oh, it's yeah. mm. tart and tinny. Oh. And yeah, there's a, <laughs> tinny, tinny there's a, there's a metal tinny. note in there. Yeah, you're like totally like chewing on a can at this Tinny's point. Like, mm. Mm. Wow. <laughs> Okay, this is unlined aluminum then? <laughs> or, or the acid for the tomato just ate through it already. Yeah. Right. It does say especial yeah. at the bottom. Oh. Chilada especial. You are correct. It, weirdly, I'm, I'm not mad. No. It's just confusing. It's, it's not good, though. No, uh, but I'm, really, I'm going to drink this. That's the drink, thing. Is like, I'm going to drink yeah. the rest of this. Yeah. Not, Yo, you have, like, you have an inch of the chalada in there. You can like suffer that through. But you're ha- like you're a raspberry there sour. is like 23 full fluid ounces <laughs> you're, left. You're, 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 an inch of chalada. You're drinking an enchilada. <laughs> yeah. <Chilada>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want a whole glass. You just want an enchilada. No, you don't want, <laughs> a whole, you don't want any... I haven't been I haven't been writing down the potential it was names. So good. All I got is gaggle oh. so far, but now I got yeah. Gaggle inch, is a good one. Inch. Inch. Will you, will you also put T Bone in the beach? Because I want to make a T-shirt for that, like <laughs> World Tour 2023. T Bone in the beach. T Bone in the beach. We got some good ones. We do have some. Uh, T Bone in the beach. <laughs> Are there, how many questions have we done? <laughs> we, got, we only got 11 left. 
We got two. We got two left. We got two left. So guys, I don't mean to like get you back on track, but we should probably answer some. Questions. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, I didn't even. I didn't even answer my own question. The answer is that Marnie's mad at me that I sit up like the Undertaker first thing in the morning because she doesn't. Doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, yeah. ready and, and, to go. And and uh, T Bone, we're on the same fucking timeline. I get up at between four and five in the morning, and I go have a tinkle. And I try not to arouse the animals because I don't want them to think like, let's go. Oh, it's breakfast. I know I got to try to go back to sleep. But what happens is between the time that I go to the restroom for literally 90 seconds and then return to bed in that 90 seconds, I'm already, and this is a good thing, That's a excited about the day. I'm like, it, a lot of it's like work stuff, but I'm like, ooh, I got these things to do, and then I'm going to record the podcast, or we got dinner reservations, or I'm going to cook some duck breast. Like, it, it, I always, I'm going to cook I'm some always duck ready. Breast. I'm always, <laughs> I got this duck breast on my mind. I got that duck breast on my mind. Yeah. Anyways. So, hey, your same time food I, knowledge is I, pretty impressive, though. The, like, the way you talk about food, like, it's pretty impressive. And then I saw your fucking trip to New York, and I was like, what the fuck? How does this guy know this guy? How are you here? That yeah. was impressive to me, by the way. Thank your you. trip to New York was fucking impressive. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't say I live for this stuff, but it is very meaningful to me. Be- and, it was beautiful. And I, it's, it's part of what I do for a living, and that's, that's a reverse engineering, because I, I found out a long time ago that my vocation could also have application to the things that I love. And so why wouldn't you marry those things? And I think you've done the same thing. The only thing. Why why wouldn't you do it if you could do it? That's, I mean, that's how this friendship started between Charles and I was, we ended up on the same Twitter threads and Facebook threads about food. And eventually it was like, we should like, I don't know, hang. I feel like we see things the same way. Well, we actually met when I was judging Iron Bartender and you were emceeing. Yeah, I, I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't making friends with anybody then. I was just trying to put on a show. For sure. <laughs> Absolutely. But I'm saying, yeah, but it's... I, you know, the funny part, though, wait, is, is... Wait. What? Isn't that what you're always doing is trying to put on a show? Yeah, of course. Again, <laughs> I, I didn't see... Friends per- just come naturally to you. Men, I, didn't, right? I didn't... When I said the word performative to you, I didn't mean it as an insult. I actually... I'm compelled to perform sometimes because I enjoy... When I get a laugh out of somebody, when I get a smile out of somebody, when I get like just like a oh thank you for saying that, I really enjoy that. And so part of it is I want to spread joy, but also part of it is that makes me feel good. And that's why I was always drawn to hospitality because I realized that this is something that I could get paid to do that that did that. And the funny part was I didn't even realize I was like chasing you down, T Bone, trying to figure out because <laughs> everywhere that you ended up was like the vibe that I wanted to try and give off to people at the bars that I was working at. And then I didn't actually really get to hang out with you until you and I had to shoulder up a mattress at a, a, a house in St. Paul for some friends of ours. And when you, uh, I don't know if anybody, well, I'm sure there's some bigger guys out there that know this, but when you end up looking around the room and you realize that you're the two largest humans at a moving party, you then look at the furniture and realize that you can make a list yeah, of all the things right. that you're going to get stuck moving. <laughs> yeah. This is now my responsibility. Yeah. And I am, I am a double-digit percentage larger than you in every aspect physically, but you were also the second biggest dude there, and I just felt bad because I was like, oh, you're, you're fucked. How did you feel bad, man? We fucking, I fucking huffed that shit out. But, I, did but, I embarrass myself? No. Or something? No, no, I did it because I was, 
I was like, oh, he crushed that move. And then as soon as we started going, I'm like, this dude's fucking awesome because, again, you wanted to be there for your friends and you wanted oh, to help yeah. out. And that was as soon as I realized that that was the human that I was going to be across for the next three or four hours while we were negotiating weird refitted St. Paul housing geometry. Like you, you, it was you, a don't, great day and I you don't get that. It. You don't get that lucky that often. But yeah, it's I don't know. It's, it funny how, it's funny how people connect and when they do, how it matters. Mm-hmm. True. But also, and it doesn't yeah, take forever. It doesn't have to take forever for you to believe in somebody. That's also very true. It doesn't take forever. Ooh, if you want to and if it feels right and you run into somebody and it goes good, it probably just should. You don't need the whole glass. You just need a enchilada. Yeah, you just need an enchilada. <laughs> oh, motherfucker. God, it's getting good over here. <laughs> it's getting fun. <laughs> well, yeah. Cheers. Wanna, I'm going to drink this so I don't have to. <laughs> oh boy! All right. Well, the salt is coming through a little better now too. Yeah. Like uh, you know, it's really not good. Mm. <laughs> I can't even talk I myself like, into fucking. I feel like it. as the as the, <laughs> the the as the saltiness as that salinity comes through, so does more of like the metal. Taste. The can. It's fine. It's, it's like yeah, definitely. It's, it, it's the it's the can aging that I wasn't. That, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> Um, when I right. barf later, that's what I'll it taste. It pulled out the cannons. <laughs> it's, it's the cannons <laughs> from the can aging. The cannons. <laughs> God damn it. It is the cannons. I gotta go. Oh, yeah, fuck. No, that's oh, fucking that's like on yeah. point, dude. And, you know, that only... <laughs> You only you only get that from like months of warm aging <laughs> in a, a, a closet at a liquor store. Next uh, to a tub full of meat. Yeah. A metal tub full of meat in 90 degree sun. Uh, all right. Well, uh, going back to again, uh, Charles's trip to New York. What I love about epic food trips is that you go home with these like dishes that just stick with you. They become a part of your fabric, and when you close your eyes, you can you can taste it. You can be there. You can feel the room and what it sounded like and what it smelled like. Mm-hmm. And I try desperately at home to recreate some of those dishes. Like when I travel somewhere and I find something, I'm like, oh. But every now and then there's one that I just cannot figure out what they were doing. Is there, from all of your travels, is there a dish or a bite or a beverage that you have tried to recreate and you just can't figure out how the fuck they did the magic? Like, is there something that you wish you could make at home that you just haven't been able to figure out how to do it? Or if you could... Or it's just different. Like, they do it. Just There's some panache. There's something right, in there what, that you guess can't what, figure guess out. Guess what? Guess what? That's not my job. Yeah. That's not my job. That's fair. For years and years and years, I've been the one that's either tried to like talk through the dish, conceptually understand it, provide the platform for those things to happen. But to to be honest with you, like No, I don't I don't try to re Created. I, I try to work with people and have them create it. These are this is this is is exactly why I work with these chefs so that so that they can come up with the things they want to do. Yeah. And and if I can help them come up with the reason why the dish comes through, that's what's important to me. Not that I want to recreate something. Or that I can't. I want to be part of the creation of the dish. So no, like there's, Ooh, there's that's no, actually a great way to that's a great way to look at it. There's there's nothing that I want to recreate 
like sometimes you shouldn't. Mm. Sometimes you should just yeah. take what's given to you and accept it. And and that's how I feel mostly because I, you know, like I'm a front of the house guy. I'm not the back of the house guy, so I don't try to recreate stuff. <clears throat> Other than a feeling of warmth when an acceptance when you get it, that's what I try to recreate. So if there is a dish, no. But if there was a mood, or a lighting, or a sensibility, mm. or a friendliness, I think maybe, I think maybe that's what I would try to create. I wouldn't be able to recreate a dish or want to recreate a dish. That's not really it. It's more about the, a, a mood or a sensibility or a feeling when you walk into a place. That's that's my dish, and I'm not I'm not trying to recreate somebody else's stuff. No, no, no. I I don't I don't do that. I feel like that would have been a beautiful acceptance speech at like an Oscar for like a best director. Like like legitimately, I, I mean that as a huge compliment. Like oh, thanks. I, that's a beautiful way to look at things. And yeah, I guess I, I hadn't framed that question uh, from that standpoint. And shit, that's amazing. Oh, cool. So we make these questions our own, yeah. right? Like just make it, make it what you want it to be. How do you take it? And that, that's a perfectly valid way to respond to that. Charles, how would you, how would you answer that? Well, my response is, uh, this is funny that this happens a lot, but we were talking about saffron. I can cook a fucking lamb chop. I'm Mediterranean. I can cook a fucking lamb chop. But it's just like when someone makes a sandwich for you, and it's if they made the exact same sandwich you made for yourself, it's always better, right? I'm not saying I can make a lamb chop like Sammy Wadi can make a lamb chop, but I miss saffron making me a lamb chop. It's just that just the experience of that's the one thing from that place. And it's a place that I miss dearly that I miss them making the lamb chops that they make the way that they make them for me from their kitchen. And it's, it, it definitely isn't an instance of me having tried to make it the way that they make it. Cause that's not the case. What I'm saying is I miss them being able to serve me yeah. the lamb chops that they make. Uh, so that that that's some a, things are un. What's the word? How do you say this? Unimitable, un, un, unimitable, yeah, un, un, right? Uh, un, unimitable, 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 Yes, unimitable. I'm so happy for everybody that's like like listening to this in their car right now. Let me take another sip of this. Say the word right. Yeah, let's, it, let's, wait, no, the un part is the, okay, the un part is the superfluous part. Inimitable. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. inimitable. Inimitable yeah. un- <laughs> <laughs> would mean that it would be very easy to imitate. We, we went with a double negative. Okay, I get it. Yeah, we added, we added an, <laughs> we added an unnecessary, you know when people, when, you know when someone says something to you and then you're like, wait, okay, so that's the phrasing. Or someone says a word and they ask you to spell another word and you, the confluence of the two confuses you? Uh, I got stuck. This is a couple of months ago, but I got stuck. Inimitable. 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 <laughs> uh, I got stuck on the We're word. We're not drinking, by yeah. the way. I got stuck totally sober at 11 in the morning on the word photography because <laughs> my brain was like, that's photography. 
And I was like, no, it's not. And I just, I was staring at it and I was like, that is not correct. And it took (laughs) fucking like 30 seconds for my brain to be like, hey, it's uh, photography, you idiot. And I was like, well, yeah, this is all coming. Like, all these calls are coming from the same room. You know, yeah. like, it's all inside the house. You need to And you were sober. So it's, and <laughs> my brain just froze. And it, it does that every now and then. I've done it with the word cabin before, like, texting it to somebody. I'm like, that's not right. And then I, like. Sometimes it could be um, foreign accents, too. Ooh. Like, if you hear, like, if you listen to a podcast and it's British English, and then you think of a very common word, but you can't say it in the way that. You would order. It's just going to be aluminium. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh up. no, but that's that's elegant. I'd, yeah, I wish I, I just said it that way. I I spell gray with an e now. I I just was like, it looks prettier to me. I'm going to go with it. Yeah. Um, but bringing it back to to mm. the the question for me, um, oddly enough, it's also like uh, an emotional tie to me. Um, I've I've obviously like. I had some rough periods and we've talked about it on the show, like especially when Tyler was on, I've had some rough periods in my life where uh, I didn't exactly have a place to live and I had a backpack full of clothes and in those moments going to work was the best part of my day and the best part of my week Mm -hmm. because that was the only place that I had friends, had family and had a place that I felt like I could go to. Not that there weren't other people that cared about me at the time, but I had gone through some shit and I had severed some ties and I didn't know work was the only thing that gave me a tether that made me feel at home. And I was bartending full time, but also just trying to learn more and helping out in the kitchen. And the exec chef at that restaurant was the first chef to kind of take me under his wing and start talking to me about stuff. And we had a lot of incredible uh, dishes there. And a lot of times my staff meal was better than any meal that I would have the rest of that week. Uh, you know, like literally trying to figure out if I could afford a cab to go to the laundromat to wash my clothes and then figure out whose couch I was going to be able to stay on that night. Like it just, when everything else was shifting sands, somebody providing knowledge and food and kindness really kind of sunk in with me. And there was a dish um, that Chef Ryan cooked that was called Blackened Pork La Brucherie. And it was the first time that anybody had told me that it was okay to eat medium rare pork. You know, I had come from a generation of parents who absolutely everything has to be cooked beyond, like, finishing for a pork chop was 205 at least. It had to be tougher than leather, and you better chew on it for five minutes before you swallow, otherwise you might choke. And he busted out a medium rare pork tenderloin, and not only was it Cajun blackened and then sliced in medallions, but then it was... For um, me, is the only way to cook a bartender. Yeah, and then it was covered in um, a crawfish uh, cream sauce, basically. Ooh, cool. Wow. And uh, I remember the first time, because I was like, I'm so unfamiliar with most of this menu. Like, I, it took so long to get... It was a two-page drink menu. So it took so long for me to get the drinks down... I had just started in on the menu and he was like, oh, well, you actually came into the kitchen and asked some questions. So let me start helping you out with this. And I remember him serving that dish to me and I felt like I was a king. I felt like I couldn't afford the dish that was in front of me, but here was a chef giving it to me as a staff meal, wanting to teach me that. 
And I will forever have an emotional tie to that because I felt like it was somebody like telling me that I'm an, I'm a human, but I'm also like equal. Like I want to cook this for you because I want you to feel as good eating it as, as I do making that for Mm -hmm. you. And I, my, you know, my palate was so rookie and raw at that time. And I had basically next to zero cooking skills, but shortly thereafter, I ended up meeting this group of friends who are still my best friends and we started cooking together. And now 18 years later, like we're all pretty fucking legit in the kitchen and that dish I've tried to fucking remake. But the problem is my memory, it would be like the first time you went to a concert. Like you remember that they had instruments, but you don't remember what anybody was doing and then trying to recreate a song that they played Mm -hmm. from a memory that you have. I have tried, I, I mean, I have done weird ass research trying to figure out if, because it was a part of a chain, trying to figure out if anybody ever hacked the recipes. And that's the only dish that I haven't been able to track down. Everything we'll, else that I loved on the At what point do you leave well enough alone and realize that your memory Ooh. is like so pure that you don't want to That it's enough? Chase it? Even if I you found know? the actual recipe, I, I don't think that it would be as good remaking right. it as it was eating it. But the the siren song to me. When's the last time you attempted this? It was about three four years ago. Okay, and I got close. I got, I got pretty close. Well, I'm I'm willing to bet you really enjoyed it. It was it great. Reminded mm-hmm. you of the experience, but it's probably a mm-hmm. good thing that, like, would you? Here's a here's a question. Would you would you enjoy it less if you did the exact same thing and you were like, well, I did what I I did what he did. I would still say that that Chef Ryan just had something else going on like it would it sure. i will forever have that be somewhere but that yeah. it's 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 the whole thing together because right? like a lot of the other dishes that were formative to me when i was figuring out cooking as an adult i still like i still love making a scratch chicken alfredo because that was the first thing i ever made from scratch for myself and i i my roommate and i served it to our two girlfriends and they were so blown away that we had made the sauce from scratch and I am not afraid to admit, I think we've talked about it, that up until that point, I thought you had to buy Alfredo sauce. I thought that was why people went to restaurants, because there were certain things that you just couldn't do at home. And realizing that you could, because my roommate's mom was a chef, and was like, this is very easy, just do this. That's what started it rolling. So all of these formative dishes are all callbacks to me, and I still love doing it. And there's a list of like 10 of them, and I can make nine. (laughs) And the number one is the one that I can't figure out. And it's not that I want to be able to do that and then, like, I'll open my own place and serve it. It's that every now and then I remember 20 years ago how different my life was. Like, I get to live a really lucky, fortunate life. But part of the reason that I can still focus on that is that I have to remember where I was 20 years ago. And I was trying to figure out where to wash my clothes and whose couch to sleep on. And if I had enough money for the taxi to get back to work the next day, like that is something that I feel like I have to keep around to remind me of how far things have gone. And that's, that's all kind of rolled up in there. <laughs> life, life is a, life is a palate, right? You like taste different parts of it at different times. Absolutely. You get a little taste of this, you get a little taste of that. You get a taste of hurt. You get a taste of like being broke you get a little taste of being pissed off and angry. You get a little taste of being alone. And then you get a little taste of kindness. 
and you get a little a little taste of love. Somebody brings you in, and a little taste of knowledge, and all the good and all the good stuff. You know, too along the way. But to me, it's 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 the same reason that I'm attracted to to multiple flavors going on in something. You know, salty and sweet, and and the balances on a plate. Like I think you have to have all those there, and I. A lot of those times when I'm making those dishes, it's just as a, a tribute to an earlier time in my life when maybe things weren't as good and a reminder for me that, shit, that was good. Like, you were eating some good stuff then, but it's also a reminder to be like, and now you got to make it for yourself. Shit just needs to taste. like Shit just need, like, if you're going to make something, it just needs to have taste. Mm-hmm. It really just simply needs to have taste, like something that tastes like something. And that's like, that's what you're going to expand on or whatever. But, you know, I think it's really it beautiful. Be good, that, it just has to be a taste. I think it's beautiful that you said that as I was drinking the last of my enchilada. Ugh. When you're like, mm-hmm. it just oh, has to have taste. Left. And it doesn't, that doesn't have fucking taste. No, I, I mean, <laughs> but you know, but you know, that's what I'm saying. It's like, a, <laughs> so if you're putting up a dish, you know, everybody's like, is that, <laughs> not everybody, but a lot of people are like, is that good? Oh, the carbonara, is that good? I'm like, well, for centuries, people have enjoyed a good carbonara. <laughs> I'm like, can I tell you that you're going to like ours? I cannot, but it is a carbonara. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fucking right. Ugh. Well, fuck it. All right. Shall Are we, we here again? Oh, this is what the is Melly's. This? Oh, this is the it. The last of Melly's yep. Altasoro uh, Extra Nejo bottle that she brought on the extra podcast Nejo. probably over a year ago. This shit is spectacular. It's bomb. It is, so it who is shared very this with unique. Us? Uh, Melly Morozak is, uh, she's on the Beam Suntory team, and she was on the show almost a year ago. Yeah, it might have been over a year ago. Uh, maybe, no, it was like maybe, springtime. Maybe or, almost exactly a year ago. Yeah, uh, and she was on the oh, show. And this is, this character, tequila, like, this is very nose. special. This is, this is very special. It's so good. It's tequila bourbon. Mm-hmm. Oh man, you know what I mean. Those caramel vanilla barrel characteristics of that, that, whole thing. And that little wisp of smoke just kind of snaking through there. Mm. It, oh, that, that is, is yeah. That's that's special. That stuff is special. Am I the only one feeling these shots? Oh no! <laughs> I mean, did you did you no, not hear us? Pause, oh no, no, no! Pause the podcast for a minute when to try and in, figure when out. We couldn't how. say the word inim- inimitable. <laughs> inimitable. Because, to walk away. Because we said on. I brought it up and walked away. Inimitable. Uninimitable means. To Tim, to Tim, 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 inimitable. We invented a new word, and then it took us ten seconds to figure out the word was wrong. Did you figure it out? Yeah, syllable. Oh, you did. So it's just inimitable. We didn't need the uninimitable. Just inimitable. Inimitable. So irregardless, <laughs> you guys. Yeah. Which, irregardless, oh. it is uninimitable. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 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 Thank you for that. Oh, fuck me. All right. Well, you know what? Let's. We've. 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 Is talked. there another question? It was the last question of the night. <laughs> last one. So uh, already. Yeah. Exactly. There's it's only such one a short more. Show. <laughs> Do you mean? Uh, is, oh, come on, guys. Is there no, at least I'm excited. one more? It's been great. Uh, so I kind of wanted to bring it back around to where we started when, uh, you know, talking about having to close a place and remodeling a place to look forward. Um, we've seen such a huge shift in not just business, but also culture. And those last two years have kind of been wild. Um, do you feel like you're seeing enough sunlight for 
craft slash local slash farm to table uh, people caring about where their ingredients come from and locality with some bigger places moving to whatever the cheapest shit is they can get to try and keep costs down because they want to stick to the price and so they'll settle with lesser ingredients versus places that are biting the bullet and saying, I'd rather charge more to do more. Do you still see, we had a pretty solid like five year push with more and more places doing craft, local farm to table, whatever. Do you still see after this weird two years of pandemic that, that light at the end of the tunnel is still coming and that, that people are going to keep going that way or, or do you see something else? I feel like yes, as the two of us, you know, pressing our window on the, the windows or our nose on the windows of your restaurant, you as an entrepreneur may have a different perspective on that. And I thought of anybody that this would be the perfect question to kind of ask. Well, you. Unfortunately, uh, thanks for asking me, and, and I don't want to have to answer your question. That's fine. Unfortunately, with the way labor is, there definitely, in my own business, has been a shift towards what we can get done versus what we can handle. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can get done a certain amount, and we can't handle any more than that. And so we've had to shrink our menu versus make compromises. Sure, absolutely. So, you know, we can still stick to our guns and do the things that we need to do in terms of our sourcing and all of that. We don't always have the financial opportunity to be perfect where that's concerned. And while we are a craft operation and we are a scratch operation and we make our own pastas daily and all of these right. things there are certain things we just like better than other things and they're not always local mm-hmm. canned tomatoes and certain cheeses with certain profiles that aren't from here are things that we're buying and trying to keep in a you know, like 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 Pecorino Romano cheese is what my family uses. We don't use Parmesan. We use Pecorino Romano. So when you ask for Parmesan, you're not getting it. But uh, that doesn't matter. It's still, you're still getting a great cheese. The thing is, yeah. it's just, just like, you know, there's certain things we will compromise on and there's certain things we won't. And then with the supply chain, we've had to make decisions that are not wholly attractive to our ethics so Mm. you know you know and just being brutally honest you know like you know it doesn't always work out that we can get what we want and uh, afford it and it's local and that makes us whole Uh, that's rarely true Part of the reason that I wanted to ask this question with you here is... That's, I'm sad. No, no, no. I'm we, sad. I don't love my answer. But, but that's why I wanted to ask it, because I want more people to understand exactly where the climate is at right now. I, I think that all you see is, is articles on like national news sites about whether or not there's labor and uh, it's, gas is expensive. But people that really love food and say that they love restaurants and say that they love like their their little neighborhood bars i don't know how much they actually understand like what is going on and i thought that having you here it would be irresponsible of me not to try and at least allow you to talk about that and i don't think that 
whichever way you want to answer this question for all three of us, I don't think that anybody is like, oh, it's way better now than it's ever been, right? So if there's an opportunity to to speak to, you know, I mean, let's be real, like thousands of people. If there's a a chance that we can talk to a lot of people and then maybe they can help pass that message on when one of their friends is bitching about one of their restaurants changing a dish – like this is a conversation we have to have if we want our places to stay alive. There, are, there are going to be compromises that had to be made. Yeah, and and so instead of making the compromise, we tend to not offer the compromise. Yeah, we tend to not have that available. Mm-hmm. And so our choice changes. Choice is the devil. Choice is the devil of the restaurant. Having too many things available is the devil. It's really not important that you have a lot of things available. It's Option paralysis. Ra- Absolutely. It's that you have a range of things that are succinctly chosen that folks mm. can understand everything without having an overwhelming amount of things to choose from. Certainly. Americans are on top of this unfortunately like wanting all the options all the time and it, the choice is the devil so we have mm. really been preaching as part of you know like the way that we see things going forward that we don't have to have everything available there is not something for everyone and yet in your in in, in a smart offering there will be any way sure Isn't that, do do you think maybe that's a good thing? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. It it almost takes us back to consumption. The the idea that we have to have all this meat, all these things ready to go is is ridiculous, really. Hundreds of options. Yes, please, 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 please. And it it, it strays us from the point of being specific about something that could be Mm -hmm. really good. And it doesn't have to have, you know, we don't have, and not every place has to have ranch. Not every place has to have this and that. But, you know, like this is well thought out. Uh, A range is more important than volume. Like having a range of items, things where you're like clicking away. When we opened the inn, this weird restaurant that this rich insurance guy wanted to flip from a Filipino (laughs) Filipino restaurant into something else. Anyway, he... uh, I was like, okay, you need to have chicken, fish, vegetarian, beef, maybe pork, and then that is your entree section. So each one of your desired outcomes is going to be represented. There's one of each. There's not more Mm -hmm. than one of each. You're not beef heavy. You're not chicken heavy. You're not whatever. But there's one of each. So you kind of get one. Everybody gets one, and that's kind of it. And I think if you can be concise, you have to have more vegetables, period, like period, like you have to have yes. more vegetables. Period. Right now, I don't. I don't know, but I think you don't have to like have this big, broad offering. I you think can. people need to kind of understand that that, that like that that specificity is going to be better for the business and for the way you eat too. Absolutely, you can't you can't provide something for everyone because if everyone dilutes and everyone is doing something for everyone, there's no focus. And then it's just dilution across the board. And we all have specializations more important everywhere we go. So, you know, like right. if you wanted to see yeah. salad or whatever, you know, sure. Doesn't it feel like specialization? It, at least forward for looking forward. Do you think that 
after this is this is never going to be over. But if when things are endemic, what do you think? What do you think our hope happens for? Uh, for your businesses or the broader spectrum of the food and in, in, in beverage scene in the Twin Cities regarding those notions? Do you hope that people stay tighter regarding what they specialize in and what they draw people in for? Well, I said that I thought this was the restaurant industry's opportunity to flip the switch. Sure. That I thought that a year and a half or two ago, like yeah. while after the panic settled into that, this was the time that we needed to redo this industry. Sure. 2015, a ton of openings, like a hundred openings, 2017, 60 closings, 2018, 40 closings. <clears throat> Excuse me. It doesn't matter how many places keep going. Until we figure out the business a little better, nothing will sustain itself. So, so coming out of this, I'm really hoping that the ingenue, like this beautiful new like scenario that is like been hard for us to get to, like now we know how to do the restaurant industry finally. And I think from here, there's that opportunity to kind of like carry on and like get it straight. And it, I, th- I think that's the thing that we didn't have in 2015 or 2017. We we're kind of sure. like wallowing and how does this go? And from here, I really think that the new young folks and those that have come through this really need to rethink how this works. Yes. Minimum wage and livable wages have gone up. And restaurants employ those people that make those types of wages but the people who are buying our foods have not seen any increase right. in their wages. Right. 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 So right. now these businesses like mine are having to pay their employees what they deserve even more than they did before, right? Like I know all my people are treated right. fairly, and they always have been, but they're, they're, they're making more. Like servers are the only ones getting raises, but the middle class is trying to come here and eat. You know, so, so I employ these people with these minimum wages, and and then and then the 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 folks that are just uh are like coming to eat unfortunately their wages are not going up and so like this is like all these things are kind of colliding at once even during this pandemic and before you know like we've really needed to figure out a bunch of things about how our model works and so hopefully we can come through this figure out how to price things appropriately figure out not how not to have too much choice figure out how to have like an offering that makes people feel like they have an experience when they walk in and it's not such some limited scenario. Like there's a lot of things to rebalance right now. And and I, you know, I don't even really know how to do it, but, but uh, I'm happy to be one of the ones that has come to this point and to be able to like rethink, rethink this business one more time. Fuck yeah. You know? So hopefully we're there. We'll see. I look I look forward to all the maneuvers that you pull. I'm sure you will do it with a plum. Maybe it seems intimidating at the a moment. Plum, a pear. But you it, it, you will do it inimitably. 
Tim, Tim Nibra, I believe. I, I love that that still didn't seem T-Bone confident. T-Bone will do it inevitably. Inevitably. Well, I added the extra syllable, and I was like, God <laughs> damn it, here we go. It was really clear, though, the way that he enunciated. His enunciation was really flawless. What about, uh, Charles, what do you think about that question? I mean, I had an original idea of the way I wanted to approach it, just based on friends who are restaurateurs and how things like the lack of availability of uh, the larger organizations that deliver food to them made them figure out all their methods to, like, it, it went from small to smaller, you know? I have friends who are restaurateurs that are trying to microsource stuff, which technically is more expensive, and that's not always available to you either. But I, I, I'm just going to say that I will acquiesce because I'm not qualified to talk about this, and I won't pretend like I am. My hope is that when this is all over, which is it's not going to be over, but what, what we're experiencing right now will pass, and we'll get back to more of what we're accustomed to. I hope that the restaurants that we love, like T-Bone's places, are place. <laughs> we're going to laugh every time. His name is T-Bone. Everyone's going to call it, him T-Bone. It, it, Everyone's I coming. I am, I am it, T-Bone. It makes me Everyone, right. at this. He is T-Bone. Every time someone comes into Moochie's and Dinette, they're going to be calling him T-Bone. When I'm at your table, T-bone. I'm T-Boning. T-Bone. Hey, what up, T-Bone? I'm like, hey, how you doing tonight? I am T-Boning. My I just want to make sure T-bone. your service is well done. <laughs> hey. Oh, shit. Well, hold on. Oh, that's the only time it's It's rare that it's this good. It's rare <laughs> it is yeah. motherfucker. It's only time that it's rare and well done. Our service is rare and our food's well done. We'll see you later. Thanks, Ed. He <laughs> just scoots out <laughs> on his wheelies. On a wheelie, yeah, for sure. Has to be without moving. He just fades out. Honestly, I I think that uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot my answer and say that I hope that the people that we know that are in this industry that we love that. Butter's our bread. We said it when we did our recent contest. And actually, we're supposed to shout out winners on this episode. We'll do it the next episode. Beauty. We've been drinking alcohol. Who? I hope that they have the freedom uh, of choice to be able to decide. I hope that I hope that T-Bone isn't forced to choose these things and has the liberty to decide what he'd like to do instead. That's. I think that's the only answer uh, that someone like myself can give, is that he's been forced into making decisions. Uh, he and his, his ilk and, and his partners and his, his chefs, they've had to choose. They've, they've had a limited modicum of choice that has been not presented to them, but almost forced upon them. My hope is that they have the liberty of choice once again. And if they want to use Cisco, use Cisco. If they want to use Forest to Fork, they use Forest to Fork. They want to use Peterson. They can use Peterson. That's that's what that's all I can hope for. And then I want, and that's less what I think is going to happen, and more of what I want to happen. But I think that we we will get back there soon. Quam. I I mean for me I the thing I I I have my first restaurant job was in 1994, and my last restaurant job was in 2016. So I had a pretty solid run, 
I, there were a year or two where I wasn't in the industry, but it would have been then, a lot funnier if you said 1994 the second time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 1994. Uh, but it's like I got fired immediately. But uh, um, I haven't worked since 1994. <laughs> exactly. Just, there's a gap on my resume. I was just finding myself. My, the thing that the thing that looking back on it, where I feel like we failed, and I'm going to put we as like a giant blanket around the whole industry in the United States is that we've done nothing to educate our guests as to what actually goes into what we do. And I don't know that that should have been on any restaurant or bar or anything, but I think it's really weird that now looking back on it at 42 years old, how many friends of mine that I would consider like good friends have no idea what the cost of an actual cheeseburger is to a restaurant for them to make. And the only people that we've let dictate what the rules are, are fast food places and quick serve places who just Mm. only advertise on price. There's nothing about quality or if there is something about quality, it's a made up term like melty cheese or like never frozen beef, but like we don't know what the beef is. Like there, there are so many things that we've allowed big, huge machines to dictate to everybody. And then people think, well, if I can get a cheeseburger for 99 cents at McDonald's, then I should be able to get one at a, a restaurant for six ninety nine. And anything more than that is ridiculous. And I don't remember until like the last maybe five to seven years I don't remember that conversation ever coming up anywhere that I worked and places that, you know, if we had farmer Bob bringing in bags of vegetables and stuff, that was something that we just like hid into it. We didn't go out and talk about that and we didn't explain it to anybody. And the, I've been so frustrated about this because there's so much, um, infighting that there's never like a grouping together to go out and do that. But I'm hoping that, with everything that happened in the couple of years leading up to COVID and then what happened with COVID for the last two years, that maybe there's some sort of sense of, of similarity where we can get behind it. And I don't know. I mean, it, maybe we form a new group or maybe we individually put shit out and then everybody shares it. There has to be a way of teaching people like what goes into the cost of things. Because if we're not willing to educate the people that are coming into our places, and I'm saying this as a craft beer employee, because we've done nothing to explain the aluminum crisis, the cardboard crisis, the shipping crisis, the fact that we've had a couple really mm. awful seasons that wiped out a quarter of all of the hops on earth. We don't talk about that because we want to translate. All we want to do is it doesn't translate. sell beer. And I, I understand that. But at some point, we are going to have to say, if nobody understands what's going on and all they're looking at is the price tag on it, we're never going to get anywhere. And we can give right. all of the hospitality in the world. We can create the most beautiful rooms with the most beautiful plates. And we can have people that really, truly care about every single table, every single guest. But if they still, at the end of the day, feel like they're being cheated because they don't understand what goes into it. Because everywhere you go, you can buy ready-to-heat meals at this point. Like, we took a TV dinner. That's why I'm getting into those. Right? <laughs> yeah, buddy. 
They're great too. <laughs> Get them. Check it out, frozen. Fresh. The, the TB TV dinner, man. The T Bones TV dinner. Just boop. Your Waiting for the out. actual T Bone to be in. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Throw it under um, your salamander. I mean, you the lasagna, bro. The we're entire, layer it up. We're gonna layer it. The up. entire chain of Applebee's has microwavable steaks. Why not start your own? <laughs> but like, that's that's my thing. Is I I hope I hope we can figure out a way to add some sort of an education into this. And I've had multiple meetings about this in, in our community here. And I know that friends of mine in other communities have been doing the same thing in Chicago, in New York, uh, in Florida. There just has to be a way for people to understand. Much like what we deal with with Amazon and the actual price of things. There's another human that's bearing the cost of, of your savings at home. And I agree with you that like low to minimum wage or low to medium incomes have not gone up and that's not helping anything. But I still feel like if we created a dialogue about what it actually costs to do what it is that we do, people, not everybody, but some people would understand it a little bit more and then would maybe be able to weigh it out a little bit more. And maybe I'm insane. I, I very well could be. Yes, I'm saying that you can. I think you're insane, but I, it's not necessarily that you said anything wrong there. Right. You can't make the general public understand the difference is that what you're doing is you appeal to the people who are willing to bear the brunt. So you market to those people because they say, okay, I understand. But what's the difference between that and gentrification? Ugh. Mm. What? No, if you can I afford don't. it, then you can do it. Like I don't. That's, no, that's my it's problem. understanding. It's not affording. But it's how do you? But how do you understand it if we don't explain it? If you're saying you got to charge eighteen fifty for a burger, then you tell me what the difference is. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is we have to tell them what the difference is. Well, well, hold on. But what's how is that different from what I'm saying? Because what I'm saying is that if you tell I've, people I, a burger costs eighteen fifty, this is why there's a certain modicum of people who are willing to pay eighteen fifty and able to pay eighteen fifty. I thought what you were saying is. Just charge more, and then the people that'll figure it out will go. Nope. Okay. Saying you you have to you have to market to people that will pay eighteen fifty for a burger if that's what it has to cost because of where you're located. And it's not gentrification Ooh. because that's that is based on geography. So I'm saying is if you're on if you're in the North Loop and you're selling a burger and it has to go from sixteen to eighteen fifty, because this is not I'm not talking about geographically. Yeah, yeah, but. It, it's easier to, instead of advertising to the broader spectrum, hey, beef's more expensive, because then you're doing it for everybody else, you know? It's actually like, in a weird way, I'll say this, sometimes um, other businesses will promote things, and then I tell the business I work with, don't promote it, because everyone else is promoting, I won't say specifically, but recently these things have occurred. Every other business is saying, this is what's happening. This is this is the thing, right? And so I tell my, well, don't do it because everyone else is saying it. It's, the feeds are low, overloaded with this information, right? So what you, what you need to do is maybe perhaps pinpoint. So I'm saying if if it has to go from a sixteen dollar burger, which a lot of people, a lot of, if people are coming from Andover, they say sixteen dollars for a burger. I ain't paying that shit. Right. So, that, you know, I'm yep. not saying everybody, but there are people who are yep. like, I'm not paying $16 for a burger. But if it's a burger in the North Loop, it goes from 16 to 1850. Educating the broader populace as to why the burger is more expensive is like the, your return on investment is going to be very slim. But what you can do is tell the people who are already paying 16, hey, man, this is a really great burger. That's why it costs a lot of money. And then they say, 
okay, that's, that is an 1850 burger. You know what I mean? Not saying like it went up because of these dynamics, but this is a great burger. That's why it's expensive. We hope you still enjoy it. We hope you still buy it. And it doesn't mean that'll work either, but it's oftentimes a more effective uh, approach than like trying to, it's too, there's no, like, there's no enforcing agency that can educate the populace, no, no, unfortunately. Yeah. I wish there was. I wish no. there was ways we could let people know those things, but I, I, we can't. What I'm, I, guess, I guess where my head is at, and I, I think that you and I are ostensibly saying the same thing, mm-hmm. but I, I'm not saying that, that we have to have like an ad campaign that airs on all network TVs to be like, listen, this is what a fucking mm-hmm. cheeseburger is. But I do feel like that conversation doesn't come up still in any articles that I read in trade magazines or anything. Right. There's, there's well, it's tricky to like yep. find the appropriate method or, or approach to that. To, to, it, Cause you can't, you almost can't, it's one of those things where you almost can't say it in explicit terms. Mm-hmm. Like I want you to know this is expensive because it costed, it cost me a lot. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's something about that. I, there's I, a schism there. I agree. Where if you say this is expensive because it was expensive for me, where the consumer will reject it. Be but, like, don't you dare tell me that. No, I just, I'm here for the experience. But my, counter, it's, my it's counterpoint tricky. to that would be the way that we educated like, like tens if not hundreds of thousands of people to the absolutely mm-hmm. horrific like harassment and uh, sexual assault that was prevalent in the bar industry. Mm-hmm. It just took... It took getting to a point where enough people that meant something in the industry stood up together and talked about, we have to get this shit out of there and we have to talk about it. And we keep having these moments where it takes a crisis that hurts a lot of people before anybody will stand up and actually say, hey, this is what's going on. What if, what if we actually got out in front of this? Because if we, if we push anything that is made from scratch and tries to be local and all that to the point where only rich people can afford it, the message is already lost. And that was, that was what I meant about gentrification, is if we just depend on the people that can absorb that increase in cost, what we're doing is dividing it into two people, and we're never letting the people who feel like they got priced out of it understand, like, what's going on. It's not just, like, there are still, yeah, but I would say... You, it's, uh, it's a matter of, like, how do you communicate yeah. that? Well, you know, that's what I'm asking is like, you know, I feel you, like we need to make, figure out a way to $10,000 on a boosted Facebook post. I'm just saying like, it's, it's such a difficult thing to communicate that there's, there's not a great way to do it. That's, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. Like if there was an easy way to do it, I think we would have done it, but I, I don't know. <laughs> hey, uh, maybe not. Society 2022. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like, I, I, I feel like, decided. I feel like this is something that. There is enough. I, there are enough people in our community and in the communities of restaurants and bars around this country that like to feel like they're a part of what's going on, and I think would want to know more. But we we just have to figure out what that microphone is. And I I wanted to throw this out. This is the first time that I've asked a question like this on our show, and I wanted to try and figure out how. Maybe this is where it starts. I don't know. Maybe I just start fucking thinking about this. And this is a worthy enough cause and a worthy enough subject that I feel like this isn't something that we can just gloss over because it's not going back. 
There's never going to be a time where all the prices come back down and we can just, you know, run with, with super cheap. No, it's like T-Bone said, hopefully everything else comes up. Like, yep. Realistically, yep. It's, it's not about that. It's about the other end of the spectrum. And that's something no one talks about. It's something no one else really discusses is that we need everybody else to have the resources to be able to yep. support businesses. Because, yeah, of course, like, the the price they're gonna be like, hey, tomatoes are cheaper all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. No, they're not. I, <laughs> people need to make more money on average. I yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, they the, need, and they need to continue to make more money on average. For those, and they continue to not have to worry about other expenses like healthcare that might ma- drag them Holy down. Holy shit! And those things that might, you know make their life more rich because they're not having to worry about how to handle something when it bad happens to them. That's it. Come on. We know the answer is we're not willing to do the work. Do the work. To, yeah, we got to lift it well, all up. You know, or like I think we're denying the answers and I think there's corporate interest in the way, obviously. For sure. Not the corporations don't help us. You know, when we get our when we get our checks, we send it right back to the corporations and buy our new phones and all that shit, too. So, like, we're somewhat responsible, but fan. Be true. I'm wearing Nikes. I'm drinking Corona. Yeah, look. You know, like, it is what it is. I, 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 I'm not saying any of this because <laughs> I feel like I'm somehow above a paradigm. I, I'm just, as somebody who will forever and will die seeking knowledge, I just feel like any time where I feel like I've kept things behind the curtain, which I have 100%. Right. Uh, there's things that I've overcharged for. There's things that I've undercharged for and everything in between. And when it, when all the money is coming in left, right, and center in the early 2000s, there was no impetus to tell anybody what was going on. You just sure. did whatever you did. But when shit gets tight and I don't see things really like loosening that much again – Education ends up being something that I always fall back on, and we'll never be able to teach everybody. Clearly, after the last two years, we've learned that. But at one point or another, we can normalize that message. And I guess that's just something that I'm weirdly passionate about. What I'm saying is, I agree with you, but that there's no good way to. Mm -hmm. There is. You know what I mean? Like, that's. Yes. I I understand the problem, but the solution, Mm -hmm. because of disseminating information to people is a big part of what I do. Mm-hmm. And I, I wish there was a good way to do it. I agree. So the, the other way to do it is to reverse engineer it, to say, hey, are you willing to bear the brunt? Because this is, and that's unfortunate, mm-hmm. but like like our boy T-Bone said, <laughs> we need the people to make the money that they deserve to make on all levels. Correct. And then they can come in and they will just pay the money for the thing because that's what the thing costs now. Speaking of T-Bone, uh, we should probably land this plane, but I realized halfway through this show that mm-hmm. while you were giving uh, a lot of love to the uh, restaurants that you have, uh, we, we didn't talk about your podcast. Yes. And it, it was a pleasure having you on ours, 
but we also have to shine some love on you. Yeah, so, we want to hear you yell at Rick Nelson. Yeah, if people want to hear about the jet engine, exactly. If people want to hear, <laughs> it's pretty uh, good. It's Nightmare Like, where where can they go find it? Like, oh, man, how do they? It's funny because I I think we're on Apple, we're on Stitch, we're on you know, like if you follow me on Instagram or you follow Nightmare Nightmareland on Instagram, you're gonna find the way to go. And you got like uh, video content, like you got you got yeah, primo level. You know, shit. Uh, Matt Gundrum with Gleam Tower Media is like he did his own Food Under Fire podcast, and he I, I, it was important to me that there was some production value here, as as though it was some sort of like you know extension of the restaurant where there's some production value you have to have, and and so he's nice to help me with it and you know at Niver Niverland is is one thing i'm i'm on twitter at t niver always yeah. i'm uh, at uh, tim underscore niver on instagram and and it's weird to promote myself usually i've given it back Wait. to the chefs for years just to let them do their thing within the concept that we do and while i may be an introvert i I am now having to make sure that people know who I am, do what I am doing, and pushing a little different vibe these days. So, <laughs> Never Never Land is here, and, uh, it, you know, may not seem like I'm an introvert, but I'm really trying hard to make sure people know how I feel about things, that there's a reason, whether it be yours or mine or whatever, there's a reason, and you should say what your reason is. <laughs> if, uh, if I may be so bold, uh, an old mentor of mine, one of the first uh, GMs that I ever got to know outside of work, uh, once told me, because I just told him, like, I felt weird. I was 21 turning 22, and I was running management shifts on the floor, and I'm, like, most of the employees were older than me. And I was like, I just feel weird, like, you know, telling people older than me what's going on. And he said, even an ill-fitting coat can keep you warm. And even if forcing yourself to be an extrovert through podcasting and things like that, even if it doesn't fit, like the fact is you're talking to people and you're having conversations about an industry that I love with every fiber of my being. And my favorite thing about the shows that I've listened to is outside of the specifics of things like that applies to everything. Like, when you're talking about warmth, when you're talking about hospitality, those should be the things. I'm not even saying in the restaurant industry, those should just be the things that those we're are human about. things. Those are human things, absolutely. And that's what you make it. You make a human experience because you treat somebody like a fucking human. You don't put who they are before they are. You just treat them like a fucking human. What I've always loved about this industry was. When you sit down at a table, the glass of liquid and the plate of food cost the same whether you're wildly rich or you saved up for six months to get there. The chairs are the same height. The tables are the same height. The food and the hospitality should be the same. It is the most uh, like plain evening, democratizing thing that we can do. And at the end of the day, everybody's showing up should get that same vibe back of you are being cared for, you're being given sustenance and you're being given time. We can give time to people. Yeah. And if we think about that outside of the restaurant industry, we can do that for anybody. 
You can give somebody time to listen. You can give somebody time to talk. You can give somebody time to feel loved, to feel wanted, to feel heard. And if we took that model, again, going back to the education portion of it, if we took that model and just let everybody know, this would be a great way for everybody to view this. You know, like when people bristle about me seeing guests instead of customers, it's still the way that I see it. I'm leading with compassion now, and I'm making sure that I'm leading with compassion now with my employees, with myself, with my guests. That's it. Man, that is what's up. Charles, if people want to find more about you and see your beautiful kitty, your beautiful dog, your amazing wife, sometimes. It came from the sea on Instagram. I guess. <laughs> I'm the reluctant Instagrammer. Yeah, you are. Yeah. I, I still just overshare everything because I'm, you're right, I'm like a 90-10. Like it's go, 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 go until I get a little bit of quiet. And then I'll listen to my weird Dutch fucking arena rock and we get weird. Uh, but again, thank you everybody uh, for listening. We yeah. love you so much. Uh, check out Never Neverland. Yes. Uh, follow him and go to his fucking restaurants. For most of my adult life, whatever you were doing was my favorite place to go hang out. Well, and I adore you to death for that. Uh, full disclosure to our guests. This was, a, this was an emotional get. So I'm a, I'm a happy boy right now. Um, Again, we, uh, we always say this, and I'll still reiterate it. Please uh, subscribe, you know, give the stars, give the reviews. Just the more, the, the kinder that you are, and not even just for this podcast, please for this podcast, but not even just for this podcast. Like, do it for your restaurants. Do it, f- if you have yeah. a good interaction with anybody, if you're getting your fucking car washed, and Tom at the car wash place is super cool, leave a nice review and call him out. Ask for people's names. Uh, my wife and I started this as like a thing for, I think, New Year's Eve 2020. And it is the only thing that I have done year in and year out for a couple of years now. And it is the most rewarding thing ever. Not that you get anything back, but that a few of the times I've gone back in and somebody has said, dude, I got pulled aside by my boss. And they said, good job. It shouldn't be that hard for somebody to get some love. But spread positivity. Leave any time you have a good thing. If you listen to a good record, if you listen to a good podcast, if you go out for dinner, if you have a good time at a gas station, leave a fucking good review. Yeah, and really the, for the family didn't end when no, the you are so right. ended. Just go out and support local restaurants, wherever you may be. Anything that you can do to support locally owned businesses in your community is so absolutely vital. So until then, or until next time, we love you so much. You got me T-boned right there, guys. You got me like T-boner. T-bone. <laughs> From Charles Wad, Ben Quam, and T-bone in the beach. I love you. I love you. <laughs> we'll Thank see you, you later. Cheers, everybody. Cheers.